0: Because the place is here and the time is now
1: I have two words for you, predator drones You will never see it coming I'm joking.
2: Drones are being used in drone strikes and I support that entirely and feel the president was right. There's a
3: reason why we shouldn't be using drones. It's because we don't just take out the target. We take out a lot of innocent civilians in these countries where these (laughs) drones attack. This
4: is basically blowing up in our faces. We've seen the blowback all across the Middle East. What if
2: our foreign policy of the past century is deeply flawed and has not served our national security interests?
5: Free
1: I hate
3: categories. Categories okay if you're going to the grocery store, but for the categories screwed a lot of people up. We'll make everything metal. Blacker than the black is black times infinity. All I want is peace and love on this planet. Free Thought Radio,
6: San Diego's source for heavy metal and other genres that are ignored by mainstream radio. San Diego's only libertarian talk show in a conservative-dominated market.
0: More hard-hitting journalism than even the
3: professionals themselves. Free Thought Radio. Free speech. Free expression. And... Free snowballing! Only on
6: KKSM Oceanside, AM 1320, The Radio Revolution.
7: Podcast
6: airing on LRN.FM, The Liberty
7: Radio Network. As it applies to you and me, our country isn't free.
6: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Freethought Radio. I'm your host, Alex Fiddle. Mondays, live, 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on KKSM AM 1320. The Radio Revolution, also on Cox Cable Channel 957 for all of San Diego County. Um, Also, uh, streaming live at freethoughtmedia.org. live Of course, the website is freethoughtmedia.org. And podcasting on lrn.fm throughout the week, which is the Liberty Radio Network and iTunes at Freethought. And you just look for Freethought AAC and you can subscribe and download for free there as well. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in in the world today, of course, with uh, spying and a possible new war in Syria. And how does this all get accommodated? Really, it gets accommodated because of a large and powerful central bank private central bank known as the Federal Reserve System. They are able to print money, add a debt to the government, they issue the currency to the government, at a debt which pays for the entire budget of the year. And so then the government owes them interest on that debt since the uh, currency was not issued for free. And where do they get that, pay back that debt? Well, they get it from the American taxpayers. So if you think you work for your social services or or anything you expect for the government. Nope, you work for the banks, uh, of course, with the slave tax system. And I think that uh, movies and art is a great way to get out the word about the true evil nature of the Federal Reserve System um, and how we should be free to use whatever currency we want. Uh, There are many nonfiction movies, such as Aaron Russo's Freedom to Fascism. There are nonfiction cartoons like the american dream film but uh, my first guest tonight is the director of a fictional animated feature-length movie regarding the federal reserve and it's about a bunch of rebels that go and they try to take down the fed and it's very futuristic or at least modernistic because i think a lot of the stuff that's in the movie goes on today like a police state you have police with very aptly federal reserve police on the shields, you know, the riot gear, because, I mean, really, most cops, especially ones that go after protesters, peaceful protesters, especially in Turkey, they're working on behalf of corporate law and the government and the banks and not on behalf of people and their rights as guaranteed like in our constitution. So I'm very much looking forward to the Silver Circle movie coming out and, of course, my guest tonight in this first hour is the director of the Silver Circle movie. Joining me now is Pasha Roberts. He is the director of the Silver Circle movie. Uh, it is an animated uh, feature-length film about the Federal Reserve. Pasha, welcome to the program.
8: It's awesome to be here, man. You combine two of my favorite subjects. I, there's not a lot of people doing metal and liberty <laughs> and uh, films, so this is awesome.
6: Definitely. So, um, So we're now in 2013 and of course 1913 is makes that the hundredth anniversary of the passage of both the income tax amendment and the federal reserve act how are those two related and why does the issue of the federal reserve poke your interest um
8: well it's uh you know central banking is a dangerous thing you know i mean it's uh you know the, the source of uh you know if you care about wars and big government and uh you know uh overgrown uh, overgrown entitlements i mean it's really the source of it this is where the money all comes from and uh you know and and really as an economist every time things grow the way they have i mean you will get uh inflation of some sort there's it's going to be very very difficult for them to kind of land this you know it's like bernanke is taking this airplane full of lead way up in the sky and there's you know how that hell he's going to land it uh, so it's it's going to be a, a tricky time, sort of trying to try and get this back. Uh, obviously, a more um, it's obviously politically more difficult in this system, but you know something that's more responsible, sounder money um, would lead to more reasonable spending and keep us out of us and our drones out of other people's countries.
6: Exactly. So that's
8: yeah. where I'm coming from.
6: What was the inspiration to make the movie? And, and without any, any spoilers, what is uh, what is the movie about um, as a fictional animated cartoon about the Federal Reserve? Yeah, I mean,
8: basically we set out to, um, when the 2008 crash happened, or the mini crash as I call it sometimes, it's a kind of... Uh, realize that we could make a full-length movie I know tell sort of the motherball stories about a bunch of rebels fighting the Federal Reserve uh, you know about the next crash and you know when you start charting out what the next crash would be it'd be more like you know a dollar crash um more like a uh, uh, you know a heavier inflation situation uh, we may get deflation before that I don't know but you know uh, what's we have coming is inflation, you know, is sort of built into the system mathematically. Uh, but uh, in the process of that, you know, we, aside from the math, you know, we just wanted to tell a cool story, we wanted to tell a cool story about rebels, about, you know, people like you and me and, you know, and our fans that are sort of ordinary people that know what's going on, that are in extraordinary situations and, you know, um, you know, and, uh, you know. It, Heavy inflation and you know making precious metals is pretty metal. You know, I mean, yep. I, I think it's a massive. Uh, it's a great match. So uh, as far as the story, I mean, basically, you know, it's this heavy crash. There's, you know, prices are 20 times what they are now. We don't even do inflation. I don't don't even do hyperinflation. It's just um, things are very expensive. People are very poor. Things are much more constrained than they are now. And. You know, there's a group of rebels that are fighting back, uh, especially against, there's the Strategic Housing Reserve that's involved, where the feds are taking over houses, uh, and there's, uh, the rebels are making their own money out of silver, uh, which is, you know, actually the worst thing you can do against the Federal Reserve is to create a competing currency. So, that's what they're doing, and, uh, you know, obviously they earn the, you um, uh, you know, the investigation and uh, being pursued by the Federal Reserve and, you know, it's kind of a classic thriller romance at that point, you know, there's an investigator, there's the beautiful Rebels and, you know, it kind of gets complicated and car chases and explosions and stuff like that.
6: Awesome. <laughs> so, but
8: our, our goal is really to kind of um, make it a cool, entertaining, badass story and make the Rebels kind of fun instead of yet another documentary, which um, yeah. you know, there's plenty of those out there.
6: Yeah, definitely. What, what was uh, production of the movie like, and what hardships did you face as an independent filmmaker?
8: Um, we, um, production was a lot of fun. I mean, basically, it took four years. Uh, script was about a year. I had an L.A. screenwriter, not far from you, uh, and we had a, um, uh, about three years of production. Um, we shot it all with local actors in a little green screen studio. Uh, there's pictures of that up on our website, but they you know, had them all uh, act out the whole movie inside of a, our you know, pretty small area, and then turned all of that into real animation, into um, you know, the 3D actions, kind of like a video game kind of a thing. And uh, it was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of work. I mean, it was just the biggest challenge was probably just getting the thing done and overcoming all kinds of animation and rendering issues. Uh, it's a very, very large, data set also it's like 31 terabytes of storage over here wow
5: <laughs>
6: um uh who was involved in uh with the film as far as uh cast and crew the, ma- the main voice actors um the, mo-
8: the voice actors are mostly local um theater types of people some of them have gone on to bigger things a couple of them are now in la um but uh, Jay, uh, who's the invest- Jay Nelson, who's the investigator for the Federal Reserve, is played by John Grant. Uh, he's now touring the country singing in um, Jersey Boys, uh, actually. So, um, so more power to him. Uh, he doesn't sing in the movie, um, but um, you know. But Paloma Mia is uh, the actress who plays Zoe, the beautiful, tempting um, rebel. Uh, Victor Shopov and uh, Peter Burkhardt are, are two of the bad guys and a bunch of other people some of the actors played multiple roles actually uh, and the big metal name in there is uh, John Schaefer who uh, you know, founded uh, Iced Earth and uh, he's, he's a bro he's, he's just uh, a real fighter for liberty um, very giving, very kind guy and you know, we um, shot with him and he's been nice enough to come up for Comic Cons and you know, awesome. do all kinds of
6: stuff great guy so you guys are at comic-con
8: we go to uh, we we kind of promote it in three areas we do th- we do um um liberty types of events all kinds of libertarian stuff we do a lot of precious metal shows uh just almost the same thing but with shiny metal and then uh we do a lot of comic conventions and uh you know, comic shows. The San Diego Comic-Con, uh, we're still on the waiting list for That's got a multi-year waiting list.
6: Wow. <laughs>
8: but we do the New York Comic-Con, which is almost as big. It's got like 100,000 people there. It's just nuts for days. Uh, you know, just screaming kids and, you know, uh, adults and everybody. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of fun.
6: What, what was uh, John Schaffer's role in the movie?
8: Don plays this... Uh, he's like this... Um, he's a kind of one of the rebels. He he kind of shows up inside of a bookstore and gives kind of this rant against the Federal Reserve. Um, and, uh, nice. you know, and it's kind of an interesting way to embed a rant inside the movie. Cause there's also a chase scene and a romance scene going on kind of while he's talking. So it kind of fits into the whole story, but it's a way to kind of get some content, some political content in there anyway. Um, you know, so it's, uh, so he he's he's awesome it looks like john we're also going to soon release a music video i need to finish um releasing that with him
6: uh so um, from like, from sons of liberty
8: um yeah yeah so nice is
6: it is that like a a song that sons of sons of liberty had already released or is it a new exclusive track
8: it's from the second album cool so um but i can't i probably shouldn't say more until i get sure, through sure. their <laughs> the thing but uh but, yeah, but it's set with him playing, you know, basically have this 3D model of John. Um, you know, we haven't done anything bad with it, so don't <laughs> worry, John. But, uh, you know, and so, but we can sort of pose him and play the guitar and all that stuff, whatever we want with him. So we, we have him sort of doing the this song in the middle of the uh, whole movie. And, uh, you know, uh, there's also um, a song from his first um, Sons of Liberty album. Um, is that true? No, I think it's actually also from the sac- the second album because we had rights problem with the first album. Um, he owns all the rights to the second album. The first one was all tied up in Warner.
5: Yeah.
8: Um, but uh, but that's the Car Chase song, you know. So there's the mm-hmm. whole thing about three hundred and the warriors and all that yeah. that's <laughs> um, inside of that. So uh, so yes, yeah, makes for a great Car Chase song. just has got this kind of, you know, John's got this kind of rolling um you know rhythm guitar to it that's just perfect for just a car chase kind of just rolling forward
6: yeah awesome for those just uh, joining i'm speaking with Pasha roberts he is the director of the silver circle movie an animated feature length about the federal reserve um, how has the movie gone over in the screenings that have occurred since its uh, recent theatrical release
8: um, we've been all over the place. I mean, we've been 13, 14 cities at this point, um, and you know, over a thousand people have seen it. We've been, um, you know, had week-long runs in, um, in L.A., Washington D.C., and in uh, New York, and uh, you know, and so it's been it's been pretty good. We got a lot of the press has seen it, a lot of press has reviewed it. Um, definitely, the Liberty people kind of pick up on the message a lot more, and I uh, kind of identify with what we're doing. Uh, you know, so some of the, um, you know, a uneducated, somebody who doesn't know a lot about the Federal Reserve or money or anything like that. Um, some of them are having trouble figuring out where we are in the political spectrum. You know, like these guys aren't Republicans or Democrats. So what are these guys? You know, I um, think you know. So some people get lost in that, as if that really matters. Uh, like we legalized pot in the movie, so that probably confuses them. <laughs> so. Um, there's this outrageous sort of pot smoking scene in the movie, but the uh, <laughs> um, but the uh, you know so it's so some people try to figure out where we are, um, you know, just because it's not like election cycle politics, unfortunately. It should be election cycle politics, but you know that, they'll never go there. So yeah,
5: totally. but uh,
8: but you know we we have you know we let people laugh and cheer, and it's just a fun movie when you know it's it's really fun with the crowd.
6: Awesome. Uh, are there any plans for a DVD release? Yeah.
8: Yeah. Actually, we have uh, at least three, four more showings, of uh, screenings of the movie over the next couple of months. Um, let's see. We have one in Pensacola, Florida. We have one in Nashville, Tennessee. We have another one in Boston. Uh, and then we'll be showing one up at a Pork and Pine Festival, which is a Liberty festival, sort of like hippies with guns up in uh, northern New Hampshire. Uh, so that's fun. You can sort of you know, you buy food from an unlicensed food vendor with silver, and you know, it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome <laughs> festival. Um, so we're showing it there, and uh, we'll probably accept silver for that too. So, awesome.
5: um,
8: and then on July 1st, I don't know if we've officially announced it, but somewhere around July 1st, I'll say, um, we're releasing it out on uh, DVD, Blu ray, video on demand, all that stuff will start coming out, and people. We'll actually be able to see it everywhere because there's a lot of people that weren't in one of our cities and really want to see it.
6: Awesome! A- any chance of the uh, American Open Currency Standard uh, issuing a commemorative uh, uh, silver round for the movie?
8: Uh, probably not those guys, but we've we've got thousands of our rounds out there. I mean, we awesome. we made it with Golden State Mint, who are really truly Liberty. Um, you know, supporters and really interested in getting their money out there. So, you know, and getting true silver currency out into the market. I'm fishing for one right now. But basically, it's a, uh, you know, it's a silver round that uh, is exactly like in the movie, kind of like in the poster behind me. Uh, I'll find it in a second. But uh, there's a lot of them out there. And there's a lot of them that are used as money, actually. And if you go to someplace like Portfest or... In New Hampshire, people are basically trading in these things, um, you know, so you can buy food with, you can, you know, get them and use them to buy food. It's kind of yeah. crazy.
6: Exactly. Um, what do you think about um, uh, the, the recent uh, crackdown on Bitcoin by the Department of Homeland Security? Uh, what do you think that they have to do with money? And uh, what do you think about money exchange laws and legal tender laws, given that's why they went after his money exchange laws and... and uh, not legal tender, but the, regarding that.
8: Oh yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I mean we basically um, when we started the movie, uh, we you know we talk about the Coin Act of 2016, where the uh, you know it's illegal to make your own money out of silver. Uh, you know, just like it, it used to be in my lifetime. You know, um, all the way up until 1971, it was illegal for citizens to have gold bullion. Um, a lot of people. Ignored that law, but a lot of them didn't. A lot of people turned their money in. Um, you know, it was uh, what close to 50 years that was illegal. People don't realize that, but uh, you know, so we kind of just made that happen again with silver and gold. It's the when a currency like the dollar starts dying. I mean, they get desperate, and they uh, we've seen this in Argentina, seen it in Zimbabwe, seen it in Germany. Um, people crank down. They they get you know, downright us just to try to keep people in that currency. Uh, that's the only way they can hold that game together. And so it's really, is you know, that's why people, you know, get so uptight about it. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, after we started writing the movie, you know, Bernard Bernathaus uh, got into yeah. jail. Uh, and actually, I think he's awaiting sentencing right now. But he's, uh, you know, he's um, there, you know... Um, after we started the making of the movie, it was actually something that people, uh, you know, that actually happened. There's a couple of cases like this where, you know, the truth started happening after we, we started doing it in the movie.
6: Yeah, definitely. And, and it, it is definitely a, a bit of a game. Um, uh, what, what, what do you th- What do you think is needed for, given the recent events with the IRS and everything, what do you think is the educational process needed to show people that, Um, IRS is kind of like an armed collection agency for the Federal Reserve.
1: Well,
8: I mean, they're doing a pretty good job themselves just publicizing it, and, you know, it's... um, I don't know what it's going to take for people to be awake to actually see what's going on. It's amazing, I mean, because it's pretty blatant at this point. Um, You know, I'm thinking smart people don't necessarily see it, Um, but it's a, a, uh, you know, it, it... you know i'm hoping eventually it get ridiculous enough that you know people will actually see kind of what's going on um you know i don't know what it's going to take as far as silver is concerned usually if somebody actually holds silver or feels silver they actually there's this innate kind of human sensibility about the metal and about money so people actually kind of get the sense of it um i can't grab the thing out of my pocket right now but i actually have the die an old die for it on my desk so this so basically silver that looks like this you know, it's the same thing that's in the movie. Um, that's the reflection on my camera there. Silver is very hard to photograph.
6: Yeah.
8: Um, but uh, there you go. Cool. Um, so the so they're kind of like that. Uh, this is the old die, but the uh, the newer die and the other rounds are basically just like in the movie. Uh, it's like this circular pattern. Um, but they're pretty cool. And, and uh, um, you know, when people actually touch and feel that, you know, the... Um, do get a sense that there's inherent value in it, there's, there's something that's not going to go away. Bitcoin is also really interesting, but in our case, in our crash scenario, people may not necessarily have smartphones or electricity or bandwidth, uh, which there are some of the things that you need to make a Bitcoin exchange work. So in a silver situation, you know, there's an absolute, you know, bare necessity that's going to work uh, no matter what people can tell what is silver and what's not.
6: Exactly. Do you have any final thoughts uh, on the issue of the Federal Reserve and, and the movie?
8: Well, I hope they enjoy the movie. Uh, they've probably seen it by now. I don't know. If not, they can uh, buy their own damn copy online. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I'm, you know, we're definitely working on the sequel. working on... And by the way, here's the coin. I found it. Awesome. So that's what it looks like. Um, um, but the... Uh, um, you know, I think it's... Uh, I hope this kind of entertainment and these kind of ideas get out, and uh, I hope they um, become much more widespread, especially among, you know, metal listening audiences whose sensibilities are really very similar. Um, You know, I mean, I think there's a strong sense of um, individualism and personal power and fighting against the man. And, you know, you don't get any bigger as far as being the man than the Federal Reserve. I mean, this is something that's oppressed the country for over 100 years now. So, um, you know, I, I know some metal folks are not that political, but this is, uh, um, this kind of transcends uh, some of that, it kind of gets down to actual survival. So it's, uh, um, you know, I hope more people like John kind of get out there and, you know, and, and John Schaefer and those guys are continue to kind of educate and get stuff out.
6: Exactly. Uh, and, and where can uh, listeners find Silver Circle online?
8: Uh, I'll kind of all over the place. It's easy to find. I mean, there's a uh, SilverCircleMovie.com is the website, and so that's where you see all the activity. That's where you see the events coming up and all that kind of thing. Um, you'll see information about the DVD and video on demand. We'll be on iTunes and all that. Awesome. Um, so there's also a very active blog called Silver Underground. People are just writing all the time, and it's just uh, interesting stuff. People can get arguments about drones or whatever on there. Um, so that's fun. And then there's a really, really active Facebook page. There's like 16,000 plus fans on there and uh, people just really kind of interactive there also. So that's a, a, a fun kind of place. And, uh, you know, and I really do want to get the music community especially kind of more involved. I mean, they're, they're um, you know, the more, especially the more metal, the better. Um, I have all kinds of crazy ideas for the sequel with some bands. and. Awesome. Uh, um, you know, and uh, I know John is down for it, so uh, I'm I'm eager to uh, kind of bring those things to
5: life.
6: Yep, I, I like both kinds of metal, both silver and heavy metal, so I'm very much excited to see this movie and and yeah. uh, and see all of it. Um, I've been speaking here with Pasha Roberts, the director of the Silver Circle movie. Uh, go to SilverCircleMovie.com, check out any upcoming screenings in your area, and when the DVD is going to come out and trailers and everything like that. Um, Pasha, thank you very, very much for joining the program and helping us spread the message of Liberty. All right, thanks a lot, Al. See you later, man. And for you who missed any part of the episode, the podcast will be up on iTunes at Freethought. Uh, you just go to the iTunes store, search for Free Thought, and then you look for Free Thought AAC, hit subscribe, and then it'll go straight automatically when the new episode drops. Also podcasting throughout the week at LRN.fm The Liberty Radio Network. I'd say get educated about the Federal Reserve. If you don't know about it, you can't really make economic arguments without talking about the central currency system that controls at least half of every transaction you make uh, when you work. You know, It robs the value out of your pocket through inflation, which is a hidden tax. Again, going straight to the pockets of the banksters. Just like the income tax, most of it is going to pay the interest on the debt, which is either either owed to federal reserve bankers or to other kinds of foreign bankers and really they're kind of all the same world bank imf whistleblower from the world bank recently came out and basically said it there's a whole bunch of corruption and it uh, it involves you know uh, a small group of banksters that are centered around the hierarchy of the united states federal reserve system it, it really is an evil system uh, we need freedom of currency uh, in your state locality, nullify legal tender laws and money exchange laws. Don't persecute businesses that accept uh, silver or gold or copper, Bitcoin as as a, as a proper uh, paying for a transaction or even paying somebody in wages. I would love to get paid in a wage that doesn't get robbed from me by the fraud of an international banking cartel. Since this show is... Uh, Dabbles into heavy metal and also, of course, uh, other kinds of metal, like metal currency, like silver. The movie, of course, has uh, the Silver Circle movie. SilverCircleMovie.com has uh, a cameo role from the lead guitarist of Iced Earth, John Schaefer. He has a side band called Sons of Liberty. And the first track on the first album was called Jekyll Island about that secret meeting that occurred in 1913 or before 1913, I think it was a, it was uh, earlier, uh, um, but it, it was a meeting between the largest robber barons of Wall Street. It was John D. Rockefeller, Paul Warburg, who helped uh, launder some funds to Hitler, along with Prescott Bush, George H. W. Bush's father, and uh, J.P. Morgan. Um, I think, and also William Randolph Hearst, Mr. Uh, Anti Hemp. Um, yeah you know, very insidious cabal to create another dangerous central bank. Thomas Jefferson said that uh, central banks are more dangerous than standing armies. And so there's a, one of the tracks that's from Sons of Liberty, that's in the, in the Silver Circle movie, is Mullen Labe. So up right now is Jekyll Island by Sons of Liberty. And then after that is Mullen Labe, Come and Take It, by Sons of Liberty, here on KKSM. AM 1320, The Radio Revolution, and LRN.FM, The Liberty Radio Network.
3: private banks to control the issuance of their currency, first by inflation and then by deflation. The banks and corporations that will grow up around them will deprive the people of all their property until their children wake up homeless on the continent their fathers conquered. Thomas Jefferson
6: KSM. The radon we breathe
3: makes us invincible. The Radio Revolution.
6: KKSM. Cool people listen on AM 1320. Party people listen on Cox Cable 957. And traveling people listen on PalomarCollegeRadio.com or download the Ustream app for their smartphones.
3: KKSM. The Radio Revolution
1: feel like there's nothing you can do about the inexorable growth of government i did too before i heard about the free state project the free state project is a project to get 20,000 liberty lovers to move to new hampshire to have liberty in our lifetimes early movers for the fsp are getting elected involved in their communities and participating in civil disobedience call 888-377-2515 now to learn more about the free state project 888-377-2515 or visit freestateproject.org
3: KKSM. Student-run and independent. The Radio Revolution. Welcome
6: back, guys. Freethoughtmedia.org, facebook.com, slash Radio. My guest for this hour was Pasha Roberts, the director of the Silver Circle movie. Check it out, silvercirclemovie.com. It's an animated feature fiction film about the Federal Reserve, and it features a cameo role of the great John Schaefer, guitarist of Iced Earth, Played some of his songs before, Mullen Lobby and Jekyll Island by his band Sons of Liberty. And uh, my guest in the next hour, at the top of the hour, is Professor Gary Chartier of La Sierra University. He's the author of Conscience of an Anarchist and Markets, Not Capitalism. And he's going to talk about, uh, he's also from the Center for a Stateless Society, uh, going to talk about a lot of things regarding anarchy and corporatism and state-sanctioned privilege. And in the third hour, I have the general manager of the Hine Municipal Water District in Encinitas. Uh, We're gonna talk about local government, and I'm gonna ask the hard questions about water fluoridation. I wanna talk a little bit about the news. Um, Bring up that news sounder. So Edward Snowden has been charged with espionage and finds temporary asylum in Moscow. NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden had managed to find a secure flight to Moscow where, where the country will not comply with his extradition while Snowden f- finds a final country to reside in, uh, and he's look- looking at Iceland, Cuba, Ecuador, and more. The U.S. government ironically charged Snowden with espionage for revealing the U.S. government's espionage on innocent civilians, not just in the U.S., but around the world. Because, even more embarrassing, is the revelation that the U.S. government's surveillance and hacking of Chinese citizens and databases, yes, the U.S. government has been hacking into Chinese cell phone databases, getting SMS data. Not not spying on the government, but spying on citizens. Now, both the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security want the same surveillance powers as the NSA. Ugh. Both Republican and Democratic politicians are calling Snowden a traitor and have charged them with espionage. The Obama administration has been trying to intimidate and strong-arm these other countries, including Russia, into extraditing Snowden into the U.S. There's a lot of articles about this on RT.com, and if you're not watching RT for your news, I'm, uh, I don't know, uh, the mainstream media isn't going to talk about this. David Gregory of MSMEC supposed liberal network you know against you know supposedly for civil liberties says that Glenn Greenwald should be arrested some liberal network huh um but uh, I'm glad that he is safe in Russia Uh, and I'm glad that they're not caving to US strong arm and intimidation and uh, Snowden is now the seventh person to be declared an enemy of the state by the obama administration by use of the espionage act bradley manning being another wikileaks founder julian assange praises snowden and his safety and condemns the u.s war on whistleblowers assange says that there will be less snowdens if obama will stop spying on people and assassinating innocent civilians worldwide a little uh, may i go on a tangent on that i saw this movie called dirty wars this weekend by jeremy scahill i think still playing in the hillcrest cinema so if you want if you're out in, in the area go check it out um, one of the stories uh, i'll talk about some more later um, was uh, a bomb strike in yemen and you know we have drones flying over yemen all the time dropping you know killing innocent people um, and the yemeni government to take the heat off the u.s. to you know because uh... blowback you know islam doesn't create terrorism us being over there it creates terrorism um so yemeni government being in bed with the united states wants to get the heat off our tr- off our tail so they take credit for it so the the yemeni government took credit for this one particular uh bomb strike in the middle of the desert is claiming that this was like some sort of al-qaeda training field or whatever uh uh Scahill visits the uh the facility or no, the area and talks to the victims, and it turns out these guys were completely innocent. Uh, the only people living were a uh, 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 mother and her daughter, and some old man. They kill all the rest of her children, and her husband, and everybody else in that in that small little tribe, and you know, just minding their own business, living in their in the Yemeni desert. And one journalist, I do not have his name, uh, but if you research it, um, uh, there was one journalist that exposed that the Yemeni government didn't carry out, that it was the U.S. government that did that. It was JSOC uh, um, that carried out that thing. He was locked up by the Yemeni government and beaten and tortured by the Yemeni police. And he was about to be released, you know, for being a journalist until he got a very The Yemeni government got a very special phone call from President Obama himself ordering that a journalist remain in jail for telling the truth that the U.S. killed innocent people. This is the war on journalism we have in this country. And I'll get to Michael Hastings in a second, but let me talk about Syria. Obama is escalating the Syrian war despite no consensus at G8. Now Obama and Secretary of State John Kerry are going forward with supplying Syrian rebels with armaments despite the opposition from Russia at the G8 conference and a supposed peace conference that's supposed to be coming up in Geneva. How how can a uh, effective peace conference happen when they're you know they shouldn't be taking any actions until after the peace conference but they're taking actions. They're how how can that happen when the US government is supplying taking sides with one side. They're supplying them with weapons. They already have anti-aircraft missiles. And of course, Sarah, they have used the Sarah nerve gas and the U.S. government tries to say it was the Syrian government when it was actually the U.S.-backed rebels that used that nerve gas. Uh, this is really a true testament to the underhandedness of the U.S. imperialism. To get the war going before any peace agreements are met or even tried at. And they even have one booked, but they're still going to go ahead and supply the rebels. You know The, the consequences of, of supplying the rebels with arms before the peace meeting is going to be immediate all any guns you know they're going to be using them uh, and, and it may jumpstart uh the war ahead of the peace conference now senators in the senate are pushing for a war with syria saying military action needs to happen obama is denying any escalation of the war yeah we we caused it we the bush created the syrian rebels in in the late two, uh late later part of his term uh, helped to give them the money and stuff, and, you know, CIA covert operations. Obama took it up and doubled it, just like he doubled everything Bush did. Um, but, you know, would well, the war, you know, Obama's saying that there's no escalation to the war, but would the war happen if we hadn't gotten involved in the first place? Senator Rand Paul's lone senator standing up for non-intervention, submitting a bill that would ban the arming of the Syrian rebels. Now that Paul uh, is showing a streak of non-interventionism in the face of his previous support for Iran sanctions and the 2013 National Defense Authorization Act. So I got to give him credit where credits due, um, but I got to grill him where you know he's appeasing social conservative Christian right-wing nut jobs or, or supporting sanctions on Iran. I'll talk more about the Syrian war later and some uh, further headlines, but uh, here is a way disturbing headline. Journalist Michael Hastings, Dies in a car crash. I didn't know much about him, but I, I looked into him uh, much uh, more uh, before this episode. So the journalist who exposed, from Rolling Stone who exposed General Stanley McChrystal was also a whistleblower in several other aspects. One of Michael Hastings' last articles was how the Obama administration was no different than Bush's in the complicity in war crimes and civil liberties abuses. He even blew the whistle on a comment a member of the Obama uh, campaign uh, team or even the administration made to him. They made this comment to Michael Hastings in person from the Obama administration. They said, F. Bradley Manning. Given that... The Democratic politicians try to come off as, you know, liberal, chic, and you know, hip and cool. Maybe Hillary's 2016 slogan should be "F. Bradley Manning." Maybe that'll start to send a signal that the two-party system has got to go. Now Hastings, before his death, sent a worried email just hours before the crash, stating that the FBI was surveilling him, interviewing his friends and colleagues so he was scared and quote had to go off the radar for a little bit a few hours later he died in a, a car crash wikileaks tweeted that the reveli- revelations of the investigation by the fbi on uh, mr hastings and the fbi admitted to even tracking hastings up until his death the lapd said it found no evidence of foul play in the car crash now i want to look at every little bit of information and this just seems a little creepy and uh and uh, i'm I'm waiting for you know more things to unfold and, and it is it is keeping it is continuing to unfold and, and that is it for the uh urgent headlines um i'll get to some more news later but first i want to play two songs given that the subject of this hour was the federal federal reserve this first song is called heavenly bank account by frank zappa because i'm sure Uh, Mr. Jacob Rothschild has the fattest bank account ever and I just pulled out my, I just cancelled my, uh, all my accounts with uh, Bank of America so I'm out of there. Um, And then after that, there's another song called Greed, heavy metal song by the band Toxic and it's spelled with a K. So this is Heavenly Bank Account by Frank Zappa and then Greed by Toxic. KKSM. And LRN.FM.
3: This kind of mind received. When some man comes along And claims a the need He'll clean you up Right through your tweet That's right, you asked for it. Remember, there's a big difference between kneeling down and bending over. He's got $20 million in
0: is against the wall. The only thing you have not tried
2: is the sport of chumps. That's suicide.
6: toxic And that's spelled with a K. Before that, you had Heavenly Bank Account by Frank Zappa. And of course, subject matter of the second song was, you know, the almighty dollar, you know, worship the single monopoly currency that the Federal Reserve wields upon you via legal tender laws. See, they wouldn't have such a monopoly if it wasn't for the state, uh, if it wasn't for the state's, you know, legal monopoly on violence. If you can't use guns to get your way, I wouldn't use the the Federal Reserve note. I would be using silver or copper or Bitcoin or barter, whatever, you know, let free individuals come up with whatever they think is best to compensate each other with, you know, on their own. Don't have the you know Federal Reserve use the government's guns to force people to stick to one form of currency that is really, you know, you, you tether people to this currency and they have to work uh, for something that loses value, that they get taxed, and the, uh, the tax goes to pay back the Federal Reserve because they loan—they don't just issue the currency and give it and circulate it. They issue the currency, loan it to the government at a debt, and they pay it back via the IRS, you know, armed collection agency for the Federal Reserve system, the most evil system uh, since the second central bank of the United States, uh, you know. Banks nowadays are as cheap as McDonald's. They even have drive throughs You know, they're worth nothing. I, I, you know, I would highly recommend dumping the dollar, dumping treasuries, um, anything to do, you know, with fiat money or central banking, you know, the the only countries that don't have central banks or at least central banks that are connected to the, uh, you know, small group of bankers that really have a hand in all these central banks around the world are the countries we've been going to war with for, you know, Libya, try to introduce gold, dinar, Iran, pulling out of the dollar and pricing it in oil. Uh, <laughs> you, you go you go down that list, you know, Afghanistan, Iraq, it's kind of like, the, you know, the same countries that are on that neocon roadmap of war, you know, that Rumsfeld and the neocons have been saying we need to go to war with all these countries on that list for for decades. And each time they come up with an excuse for the different countries. Oh, it's weapons of mass destruction. Oh, this or that. You know, it's uh, enough of it already. And the Federal Reserve finances those wars. So it's just a big loop-de-loop of evil. Um, so <laughs> brings me to this uh, next song before uh, the next guest, which is Professor Gary Chartier, author of Conscience of an Anarchist. This song is called Slave New World by Sepultura it's here on KKSM. Oceanside and LRN.FM Key New Hampshire Liberty Radio Network Be right back Gary Chartier is my guest up next
0: Listening to KKSM Oceanside.
1: Every day you make investment decisions. When you do business with and hold US dollars, you make an investment in the soundness of the moral philosophy and the potential longevity of the United States hegemony. People who claim a monopoly on violence around the world. If this is the investment that you want to make, please keep listening to LRN.FM. If not, stop using their currency, use bitcoins. Get educated. We use coins.com. You're listening to KKSM AM 1320
6: Oceanside. Welcome back, guys. You're listening to Free Thought Radio Live every Monday, 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. On this show, I, I think that both uh, minarchy or anarchy would be preferable compared to what we have now. If we had a limited government situation where the only function of the government was to prevent uh, the initiation of force and fraud, and including the environment, uh, that would be certainly acceptable. And if we also had a no state situation, but still where people who initiated force or fraud or polluted on other people's property or in the general, you know, uh, biosphere where it affected multiple people's properties would be held accountable, that would be also preferable. So you know and and in the you know, there's multiple ways to go about this, you know living anarchy in your own life while at the same time, you know being a thorn in the balls of the of the state and the politicians, especially your local government, do all in every way, you know civil disobedience, you know, living you know you know, using cannabis, you know, you know tax protesting, using Bitcoin, gold silver, so on and so forth. There are many ways to uh, uh, go past the state. Uh, My guest right uh, up next is going to talk about the philosophy of anarchism. And, you know, very, very interesting point of view, which I totally, you know, agree with. And if we had a stateless society, I would be a happy camper. And uh, certainly, you know, up until then, we really need to stop the state that exists right now from pointing guns at us even further. Um, You know, political action isn't a total lost cause if we do things like pass medical marijuana laws or repeal prohibition uh, within certain states, uh, then that's government no longer pointing guns at cannabis plants meaning that they can grow more freely, and that means more medicine for people. So there, there is certain immediate benefit to removing uh, guns, state-sanctioned state guns, from, from certain situations like growing cannabis plants. But at the same time, it would just be nice if that whole thing went away altogether and we had a, a stateless society. So my next list is going to talk about that uh, whole notion. Joining me now is Gary Chartier. He is the professor of law and business business ethics at La Sierra University and is the author of many books, including Markets, Not Capitalism and The Conscience of an Anarchist. Gary, welcome to the program. It's great to be here. So what is your definition of the government?
2: Well, when we talk about the government, uh, I guess I'm thinking about a group of people who claim the authority to be able to use force against other people's bodies and property and uh, tell them what to do, Mm -hmm. who claim not just that that they physically are able to do this, but that they're entitled to do it. Mm
6: -hmm. Legally, too, under their eyes.
2: Um, They do think that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
6: Let um, uh, me play devil's advocate for you here. Without a state, wouldn't there be a big disaster and chaos?
2: Well, obviously, you can't guarantee that there won't be disaster and chaos, just like, of course, you can't guarantee there won't be disaster and chaos with a state. But the evidence is that people generally behave in an orderly and responsible manner uh for reasons that don't have a whole lot to do with whether big brother is looking over their shoulders and uh, threatening them with violence of course there are a few people like that and uh, you need ways of restraining them, but there's no reason to think that the state's the only entity that can restrain them. It seems to me that most people tend to cooperate with each other in fairly predictable and reasonable ways for a combination of, uh, of reasons, including uh, uh, you know, their, uh, their own uh, prudential judgment that uh, things will go better for them if that happens, and their moral judgment that it's appropriate not to uh, aggress against other people and defraud them and so forth. And so I- I'm not convinced that uh, you need Leviathan. And, uh, to keep life from being, and I'm just this phrase, uh, it's all very poor, nasty, brutish, and short.
6: Mm-hmm. And, and certainly when it comes to your anarchist philosophy, it's the belief that, yeah, there could still be rules, we just don't need rulers to um, tell us what to do when th- those activities are peaceful and honest and, and, uh, and non uh, uh, yeah, nonviolent.
2: Well, oh, that's absolutely right. Uh, rules don't have to be generated from the top down. Rules can emerge from the bottom up. Uh, as we see in, you know, uh, a range of uh, social settings. So when we think about the emergence of the common law system uh, in England, which you had a whole bunch of different courts and court systems generating rules and rules being filtered by the uh, uh, process of uh, people uh, pursuing different legal options and uh, uh, competition winning out bad, uh, bad choices and so forth. So uh, I think you can certainly have an emergent, uh, legal order. I, I, I think it's the case that complex societies certainly need uh, rules that enable strangers to interact in predictable and reasonable ways but uh, it doesn't follow that you have to have Leviathan imposing those rules from the top. Mm-hmm.
6: Definitely, and, and I, I certainly think that it's a, a bit of an insult of our own intelligence to say that we can't think for ourselves we need uh, a person a policeman with a badge and a gun. To say what's right and wrong, and if they didn't, then I would just lose it, and I wouldn't be able to control myself.
2: <laughs> well, that's right. I mean, you know, if you think about your neighbors, undoubtedly, again, there are some people who, in some circumstances, are going to be inclined to uh, uh, to behave irresponsibly. But if you think about your neighbors, it seems wildly unlikely that the vast majority of them would be you know, breaking into your house, uh, stealing your stuff, subjecting you to violence. Uh, if only they were confident that uh, uh, the uh, boys in blue wouldn't be uh, showing up to restrain them, and I just think that, that's just not how most people behave.
6: Mm-hmm. And when it comes to economics, um, you know, government exists sort of after um, production occurs. You know, to take that, so uh, you know, it's a point of economics to note that um, whatever the gov- government takes, it must take from us. So there's really no no net gain. In the economy, when it comes to government spending, how uh, what would happen in, in the economy um, if if you know the government would just you know get out and stop you know taking the fruits of our labor to give to their friends?
2: Yeah, I, you know, it's. Um, I, I think I think you make a really good point. Uh, if you think about uh, a recent uh, a recent discussion of these matters, that's garnered a lot of attention. Um, uh, Stephen Pinker's book, uh, The Better Angels of Our Nature. Uh, you know, Pinker, whose you know own views are in some broad sense probably, you know, a lot of ways a classical liberal or libertarian, really believes nonetheless that the increase in state power uh, that's occurred uh, as, as states have grown stronger and more robust over uh, the centuries really is somehow responsible for economic. Uh, uh, advances uh, in uh, the societies where it's taking place, and I think it's uh, at least as plausible to say that what's really happened is that as people have found ways to uh, perform more effectively in the economic sphere, it's become affordable for the parasitic entity that's known as the state uh, to get bigger and grow fatter uh, because there's more uh, there's more wealth for it to skim off. Uh, I'm very much uh, inclined to embrace the view that. The state is uh, an essentially parasitic entity, uh, an entity that exists to uh, uh, provide an alternative to actual wealth creation, uh, and uh, in fact it provides politicians and uh, the elites who are their cronies uh, with an opportunity to to get wealth in some manner other than the ongoing, uh, continually challenging Uh, process of peaceful voluntary cooperation and uh, so I think it's absolutely right to say if you look at the behavior of the state what it consistently does is to hobble economic activity uh, very often in the interest of providing uh, uh, wealth to uh, uh, elites and and politicians and so it seems only reasonable that if the uh, state got out of the way uh, we could expect economic productivity to increase substantially
6: Mm-hmm. And, and that brings me to the very interesting co- concept of the title of your book, Markets Not Capitalism. A great co- quote I always think of um, is that when the government regulates what can be bought and sold, the first thing to be bought and sold is the government. So why is the government's total monopoly on the legal use of deadly force the ultimate tool of corporations for their own
2: gain? Uh, great, great question. Let me let me just say a little bit about the book first, if I may. Sure. Um, uh, you've uh, you flattered me by calling me the author. Uh, I'm the co-editor uh, with my friend Charles W. Johnson, and uh, Charles and I both have some pieces in the book. Though it also collects stuff going back into the 19th century, uh, uh, stuff by a range of anti-authoritarian thinkers uh, who are exploring the uh, implications of the state's involvement in the economy and its role in making things better for its cronies and worse for the rest of us. Um, so I, I think your, uh, your, your question is, uh, is a great one, and it gets to the heart of what we're trying to do in the book. The reality is that in an economy in which there's no privilege, everybody has the same basic array of rights, and people are free to uh, cooperate and exchange with each other uh, mutually beneficial terms in the absence of uh, violence and fraud. Um, in that kind of economy, uh, life is tough very often for uh, producers. Producers have to compete, and competition uh, obviously tends to drive down profits as people see profit opportunities in large uh, spreads between. Uh, uh, cost and, uh, and profit, and uh, consumers benefit as a result. And very often, uh, producers see that as frustrating, and they really prefer that they not have to serve consumers in that way. And so if you think, for instance, a great example is provided uh, by a couple of books that a lot of people uh, uh, listening to this uh, uh, broadcast may not be aware of, um, Gabriel Kalko's book, The Triumph of Conservatism, and a uh, subsequent book, Railroads and Regulation. And what is interested in showing in these books is how, at the end of the 19th century in America, uh, big business entities uh, were experiencing a lot of pressure as a result of um, pretty wide open uh, market competition. Not perfect, but definitely wide open in comparison with the sort of the way things have developed since. And what they they did very effectively was to persuade politicians to create regulatory mechanisms that reduced the competitive pressures to which they were subject. And, of course, these regulatory mechanisms were sold to the public as somehow benefiting the public and restraining rapacious corporations. Mm -hmm. But the practical effect uh, instead was to... Uh, reduce the competitive pressures on these big corporations. Uh, Butler Schaefer picks up the same story uh, in his book, In Restraint of Trade. Uh, uh, Kalko's triumph of conservatism ends, I think, in 1916, and Kalko's In Restraint of Trade starts in 1918 and runs through the end of uh, the uh, the 30s. And what uh, uh, Schaefer does is to show how this same development the uh, same kind of development occurred not just in the late, uh, say, 1890s, uh, but then again in the New Deal, that uh, many of the uh, economic uh, regulations and uh, policies that were adopted in the early New Deal era uh, were designed to respond to the concerns that uh, uh, business titans had had over the past couple of decades with the effects of unbridled competition, not on the poor and consumer, but on their own profits. Uh, and so uh, bottom line is that the state creates opportunities for uh, the people to avoid the impact of competition. It generates privileges for them that they can use to create... Uh, you know, unnatural, if you will, profit opportunities for themselves in relation to the public while denying members of the public opportunities to pursue the alternatives that they would in a genuinely free market.
6: Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you brought up a great example of po- politicians that go to the podium, say they're going to reign in Wall Street, but, you know, the people that are, you know, putting money in their campaign coffers is pretty much Wall Street, and, and the bills do have that opposite effect. It's kind of the Political theater that that is you know goes along with with these type of schemes and, and corporations are are a creation of the state aren't they?
2: Well, they are uh, the, the the whole notion of the corporation with entity status and limited liability. Um, is a product of uh, of legislation, and so you know, you can imagine ways in which people by contract might be able to achieve some of the same goals, uh, but they'd have to work harder to do it, and they have to get the consent of their uh, contracting parties to do it. And so the state definitely has offered a uh, a bonus to uh, uh, to corporations by creating that uh, that limited liability and, and then the status option for them. You know, when you were talking about Wall Street in particular, I was reminded of a uh, a great resource. Uh, I think some of this is available elsewhere on the web, but I'm aware of it primarily through a Facebook group uh, that's called uh, Exposing Progressive Corporatism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the name is maybe a little bit of a misnomer because it's not only progressive corporatism that's in view. Uh, the focus really is on corporatism generally, but the uh, resources that are available courtesy of the uh, Uh, the Facebook page, are just remarkable. What they are uh, is this. They're sets of Venn diagrams which show overlaps between various corporate groups on the one hand and... uh, political positions on the other. And so what we see is, uh, we'll say, uh, you know, a particular company, let's say Monsanto. Uh, and here are a bunch of people who are Monsanto executives who also turn out to occupy, uh, go on to occupy significant roles in uh, the Obama administration or the Clinton administration, or the Bush administration. And uh, the uh, brilliant, brilliant person who's put this site together offers uh, just Zillions of these, many, many different ones showing how different industry groups overlap with uh, the highest levels of government. And uh, when you hear politicians engaging in their sort of ritual uh, attacks on uh, on business and their their promises to the public to protect members of the public from business uh, it's just really important to go back and look at these and remember that yeah of course it may be the case that sometimes the attacks are real because obviously you know different business groups are allied with different politicians and sometimes politicians do manage uh... to uh, put the screws to uh, business groups that are allied with their political opponents but as a general rule big business as a whole has a wonderfully chummy relationship with uh, uh, top uh, executive and legislative uh, politicians. And uh, it's really just useful to see this uh, in, a, in a powerful visual form uh, that reminds you how utterly deceptive the rhetoric of uh, uh, protecting the little guy uh, that some many politicians use uh, really is. Mm-hmm.
6: And just by example, a Monsanto guy writes a report, uh, a few years later, becomes a guy at the FDA, and then signs the own r- report that he wrote. You know, they get pl- plenty of subsidies, money for uh, big farms, and the, even the biotech firms that created the GMO uh, technology got subsidies. In my own district, my own congressman, <laughs> um, and, and I, uh, I wanted to bring up um, that you know you mentioned corporations get to exist as an illegal individual, but uh, you know at the same time exist as such above the law, or actually get to create the law. Um, with, with all the laws that benefit them or exempt them from laws, um, where, where under true individual rights, the individuals that make up the corporation have the same rights, but no one person, um, you know, has the right to you know initiate force on another. And corporations being a legal creation of the state, that you know that would be a non, um, that would be a non-starter because you know that wouldn't be a situation under individual rights. Are are corporations an antithesis of individual rights? Yeah
2: well i 'm not sure that I 'd put it quite that strongly, but, as I think we can obviously see why there are advantages to uh, associations of one kind or another, mm-hmm. but I think that the current cluster of legal privileges that uh, corporations enjoy of uh, both the basic privileges of entity status and uh, limited liability and tort uh, really are uh, uh, are problems from the standpoint of anybody who sees everyone as enjoying an equal array of rights, uh, because those who participate in the uh, in the corporate form really get uh, an extra boost. Uh, you know, you talked about the uh, uh, process of extracting. Uh, political privileges, and uh, you know, if we if we listen to uh, some people who are, I think, genuinely concerned about these matters, uh, some activists uh, they'll say repeatedly uh, that they're scared about the role of money in politics, uh, and they want to find some mechanism that will somehow exclude money from politics. Uh, I think the right response to that is not to somehow. Uh, limit the freedom of speech of people who want to uh, advocate particular positions. Rather, it's to go back to uh, a famous uh, exchange uh, that involved the uh, the great the radical Frank Chodorov uh, back in the 50s. Uh, somebody approached Chodorov. And said Mr. Chodov, uh, it's awful. There are uh, there are communists uh, peppered throughout the throughout the government. Uh, millions of government jobs are held by communists, or certainly millions. But vast numbers of government jobs are held by communists. What do we do? And Chodorov said, Get rid of the jobs. Uh, the uh, the the problem is not uh, to, uh, in one way or another. Uh, limit free speech or free association, Uh, the the, the solution, rather, is to make sure that there isn't a state apparatus that's available to be corrupted and misused uh, by anybody, uh, you know, a a corporate player or anybody else. As long as there's a state apparatus in existence, people are going to find ways to manipulate it, whatever the law says. So what's really important to do is to eliminate that state apparatus so that there simply isn't a way... Uh, for corporations or you know other folks who want to manipulate uh, uh, others and to gain special legal privileges to, to do that.
6: Mm-hmm. Maybe the alternative to uh, limiting free speech is just to be uh, to abolish uh, the Federal Reserve, um, given their heavy hand in politics.
2: Uh, I think that would certainly be one uh, one important uh, one important thing to do, as long as the uh, state is in a position. To create uh, uh, create money and manipulate the money supply, um, it can do all sorts of terribly destructive things. Uh, uh, obviously, okay. funding, for instance, uh, ridiculously expensive wars and mm-hmm. uh, and other programs that uh, people wouldn't be willing to pay for if they had to do so up front. But you know, taxpayers can be more quiescent because they don't feel the real uh, the real blow of, uh, of the uh, uh, borrowing that uh, is made. To, more painless in virtue of that money creation. So yeah, I, I think uh, I think central banks are central banks are dangerous.
6: Oh yeah. For those just joining, I'm speaking with Gary Chartier. He is a professor of law and business ethics at La Sierra University in Riverside, and is the author of Markets Not Capitalism and uh, The Conscience of an Anarchist. So. Um, why does capitalism only focus on capital and not human action and voluntarism, which is what markets focus on?
2: Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, the the reality is that uh, there are lots of people, many of them well intentioned, many of them people I like and respect, who really believe that somehow uh, there's something really important at stake in um, calling. Uh, a genuinely uh, liberated uh, society with, uh, with full market freedom, a capitalist society, uh, and I just don't see it. Uh, if we think about the, the history of the terms Uh, capitalist and capitalism uh, what we find is that as these terms start to be used uh, in the early to middle of the 19th century they're used in neutral to negative ways. Uh, People who uh, who use the terms now somehow uh, often think that these terms were hijacked by Karl Marx or somebody like that and that before that uh, uh, you know they really were neutral to positive terms about free exchange but if we find uh, you know if we actually look Uh, we find that's not the case. So even, you know, let's say a uh, uh, well-known classical liberal like John Taylor of Caroline, uh, somebody who is often cited by... uh, uh... later classical liberals who can do ignore the fact that he was a slaveholder, but you know whatever he would you know he, he, he was involved in an, in an evil system but he also wrote stuff uh, about market freedom but if you ignore that uh, involvement in slavery i think is very reasonable you find taylor using the word capitalist uh... in quite a negative sense uh... similarly uh... Thomas Hodgkin, a sometime editor of The Economist, a mentor to Herbert Spencer, uh, very uh, powerful free market radical. Uh, you find uh, uh, Hodgkin in uh, a number of his early works uh, using the term uh, capitalist in a very uh, in a very pejorative way. He even uses greedy capitalist. <laughs> that way it's just sort of amusing. It sounds like something you'd expect maybe from uh, uh, from a Marxist, but in fact it's from a, from a free market guy. So I think the reality is that as you suggest, uh, the term capitalist focuses on the ownership of capital rather than uh, on, on human action, uh, which obviously includes, uh, uh, you know, work with capital, but, uh, you know, obviously also includes, uh, includes human capital, includes labor, and uh, the, the reality is what we're interested in, all of us who care about a free society and care about the benefits such a society can offer, uh, isn't uh, providing some uh, uh, windfall uh, to the owners of capital. Uh, th- this addresses very directly, I think, the distinction that a lot of us have to keep underscoring between being pro-business and being pro-market. And uh, uh, when you use the word capitalist to describe your uh, preferred economic system, I often think the message you're sending is that uh, precisely you're pro-business, rather than pro market your goal is to benefit the owners of capital rather than to benefit all of us. Uh, I think all of us really do benefit from uh, genuinely open, uh, liberated markets, but we certainly don't benefit from a system in which one particular class of market participants get special privileges from the
6: state. Mm-hmm. Certainly, and and isn't that the basis of economics? Is voluntary exchange? That's what creates supply and demand, which creates the prices. Which you know, uh, from a market standpoint, you know, governments and corporations get into manipulate the price beyond that voluntary, uh, voluntarily decided equilibrium.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely right. That you know, the the genius of uh, modern economics. Uh, uh, from the uh, Spanish scholastics to, to Smith, to, to all the, uh, the subsequent uh, great thinkers, uh, really has been to recognize the capacity of people interacting uh, peacefully and voluntarily to create opportunities Uh, for themselves and for each other that uh, just would never be there if people were were functioning alone. Uh, There's this great network of interconnected relationships and uh, interactions that uh, uh, yields enormously uh, positive results. But the ability of that uh, set of relationships to function effectively depends in great part on the ability of prices to convey information uh, and the ability of people to make uh, their own choices about what goods they're going to seek to uh, produce and consume. And the more you grant privileges of one kind or another to particular market actors, the more you limit the information content of prices and the more you limit uh, the uh, capacity of people to make the choices they need to make in production and consumption to, to make the market work for them. Um, Privilege fundamentally distorts those voluntary relationships and uh, turns some groups of people into uh, uh, into winners and forces others into the users. I think we have to say no to that.
6: Mm-hmm. Should capitalism and profits end where force or fraud is applied, like in the instance of war or the military-industrial complex, uh, companies profiting off the Israeli occupation or, or using puppet dictators in Africa to... You know bribe them with i m f loans to exploit their lands yeah. as is told in the book Confessions of economic Hitman and so many other yeah, examples
2: yeah. no i i think I think there's so much destructive conduct of that kind that takes place i mean it's uh, we 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 live in an environment in which it's very easy for um, individual businesses and business groups uh, to paint themselves as victims uh to uh, uh, you know, characterize big business as America's persecuted minority. But I think, as you rightly point out, uh, the destructively collusive relationships between uh, politicians and uh, powerful uh, military groups and, uh, and uh, big business organizations uh, just have, have really destructive consequences uh, around the world. Uh, you know, for anybody who wants uh, a great sort of window on this, you're certainly right that Perkins' uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman is well worth uh, well worth reading. Uh, from an earlier generation, uh, people might look up the work of Smedley Butler, uh, Smedley, Darlington Butler, uh, two-time Medal of Honor winner, uh, Major General of the Marine Corps. Uh, in retirement, uh, famously wrote a book called War is a Racket, Mm -hmm. in which he says bluntly, my job as an American military officer was to make uh, make the world safe for big business. And what I was asked to do uh, over and over again was to throw my weight around, to throw the weight of the U.S. military around to... uh, uh ensure that American business interests got what they wanted, uh, you know, throughout the Western Hemisphere. And, uh, you know, it's not just a kind of recent development. It's not a few rogue uh, organizations or bad apples. It's what happens when you have a powerful state uh, that lends itself, as any powerful state does, uh, to... Uh, Cozy uh, relationships, relationships uh, similar to those that George Stigler talks about using the word capture uh, with, uh, with big corporations. Mm-hmm.
6: And, and, and certainly, um, uh, you know, y- using force to achieve economic goals isn't hemp prohibition, you know, the biggest example of it, because you can make biodegradable plastic out of, out of hemp instead of uh, petroleum-based hemp, which is certainly a, uh, an instigator in some of our wars
2: in, in the Middle East. Sure. Mm-hmm. no that's no, no, absolutely right and i you know one thing that um it's always i think in the advantage, in the interest of uh, of well connected political players to do is to ensure that they and their cronies don't have to internalize the costs of their decisions and so Uh, with regard to, uh, you know, you're talking about uh, biodegradable plastics, with regard to a whole range of environmental issues, seems to me that the the great uh, uh, achievement of uh, politically well-connected entities has been to make sure that they're able, as a general matter, to externalize those costs uh, on the public. And so, you know, you, you get this situation in which people... Uh, Because those costs are diffuse and it's not always easy to see uh, where they fall, um, people see the uh, low prices that uh, a polluting uh, company, let's say, is able to charge and say, oh, that's great, Uh, boy, we don't want to have to pay higher prices there. Uh, you know, three cheers for, for what this company is doing. And they don't realize that what the company is doing is making them pay those, pay those costs, but it's doing it in a, uh, in a hidden way in one way or another. So, for instance, uh, you know, let's say by uh, imposing lots of health risks on, uh, on people, uh, who, uh, are affected by, uh, by pollutants in uh, the water table or, or whatever. Uh, and so you can, you externalize those costs. Uh, and then you trumpet the fact that you're, uh, you're offering uh, great prices because you don't uh, acknowledge the degree to which you're actually making other people pay uh, for what you're, what you're doing. If we look at 19th century America, uh, as industrial uh, production ramped up, uh, what we discover is that the problem of uh, of pollution of air and water was very much a live one at that point, but it became increasingly common, as the uh, uh, legal historian Morton Horwitz has pointed out, increasingly common for courts to decide that they weren't going to apply traditional common law principles that would have required uh, polluters to internalize the cost of pollution. Instead, uh, courts said, in effect, well, economic growth is a really good thing and uh, we want these uh, entities that are engaged in industrial production to succeed, and so we're going to allow them to externalize their costs on others. And it's uh, just important to recognize this is, uh, you know, here's, here's the behavior of uh, state, state uh, entities. Uh, you know, it's not the case that there's no market solution for these problems. It's that state courts uh, deliberately undermine a, uh, a genuine market solution. And I think that's what, what
5: Statenwood is consistently doing. Oh, yeah,
6: and, and certainly uh, if under a truly free market situation, the the economy would not look anything like it is right now, especially when it comes to pollution, given that pollution of your neighbor's property or downstream affecting many neighbor's properties and the ecosystem as a whole is, is it, you know, initiation of force. Um, why are free right. markets... <laughs> Why are free markets good for the environment, as opposed to current uh, situation where, you know, companies like Monsanto own the FDA or other kind of big players are in the EPA, uh, using the force of government to get away with their stuff, but then they also ram stuff to crush entrepreneurship and small guys.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think you've you've made a really good case for for some very serious problems. Uh, absolutely, um, you know, a I don't want to suggest that there are simple solutions to really complex problems, and I don't want to deny that uh, you know the approach I, I take would, you know, would undoubtedly uh, run into some difficulties as well. But I think you. You, you pointed to two key problems with the current system. First of all, regulatory capture. So I mentioned George Stigler earlier, University of Chicago economist. Uh, the idea of regulatory capture, which uh, Stigler develops at uh, at some length at various places, uh, is the idea that when you create a regulatory bureaucracy whose purpose is supposedly to rein in uh, the big players in a particular industry, you have to recognize that in the nature of the case, Those big players are going to be primarily the ones shaping what that regulatory bureaucracy does. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, because obviously, where are you going to get people who know the industry? Um, Number one, well, you're going to typically find them from within the industry in one way or another. Number two, who's going to have the most interest and the most resources to invest in influencing that bureaucracy? Well, again, the industry, right? So um, if you say, we're going to create this regulatory bureaucracy, uh, and that's going to somehow protect the public, you're just naive because you fail to see the way in which that uh, system is going to become a creature of whatever the uh, industry is. And indeed, as we see from the Kalko and Schaefer examples, that's often very de- deliberately the purpose. Uh, that's undertaken by uh, by industry groups. They'll say, "Well, you know, we're industrial, uh, we're industrial statesmen. We we want to benefit the public, so we support this regulatory scheme." And what people don't see is that in doing so, uh, they're creating opportunities for themselves, really, to, to manage uh, their industry in a way that's beneficial to them. So that's one point: regulatory capture. Number two, they're Uh, are uh, what we can call broadly tragedy of the commons problems. So, uh, you know, a a common, uh, say Boston Common, uh, is a space that everybody has access to and nobody can be uh, excluded from. Uh, Now, there are various kinds of shared or, quote, public property that don't have to have this form. uh, So I'm talking about an ideal type. But but to the extent that everybody has access, nobody can be excluded Mm -hmm. Uh, it obviously becomes very tempting for uh, some groups, some people, uh, to take no account of the impact of their uh, their choices on others, to extract at will, uh, to waste at will, and we clearly see this in a variety of settings. Uh, you know, in the environmental context, whether you're thinking about land or water or air. Um, as long as there's no opportunity to exclude as long as there's open access uh the potential for abuse is enormous and so there are different ways of responding to this right so I mean, in some cases you might talk about individual uh, property regimes and that might be more than enough to deal with some kinds of uh, say pollution problems um a lot of us have been really pleased over the past few years with the work uh, of Eleanor Ostrom, uh, late uh, Econ Nobel Prize winner from the University of Indiana, who explored ways in which people who share resources can establish regimes that allow them to exert influence over how those shared resources are used. The, when it's not perhaps the case that establishing traditional ownership rights there, uh, you know, might be entirely practical. So uh, she's talked, for instance, a, a, you know, an example that's that's commonly uh, cited with reference to her work has to do with fisheries mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, you know the overfishing of, uh, of fisheries. It may not be practical for a bunch of fishermen to establish uh, property rights uh, there, particularly because uh, they're trying to, to fish and fish move. But uh, nonetheless, there are ways in which they can uh, establish and implement norms that allow them to um, manage uh, the shared resource without the involvement of the state. And I think you can extend that kind of model uh, in ways that deal uh, with a variety of environmental problems. So I think some mix of individual ownership and, uh, you know, shared ownership and management that still do create the opportunity to exclude non-players. Um, I think those approaches give you a much better chance of ensuring that people internalize the costs of their choices and therefore choose wisely rather than uh, wasting resources and imposing costs on the unwilling. So, number one, um, the... Uh, uh, Problem of regulatory capture. Number two, the uh, tragedy of the commons. Uh, these various uh, commons that uh, you know exist in air and water and land I can all be managed better uh, with particularized control of one kind or another. Uh, if we recognize this, we can see how some of the biggest environmental problems we confront in our society can be dealt with uh, more effectively than they are in a model in which uh, the state is expected to solve problems and in which people are encouraged to. Uh, uh, to waste uh, really without uh, without any uh, any responsibility it doesn't mean you you, you somehow have uh, uh, employed a magic bullet that gets rid of any and all problems. But I think you'd you'd have some some very effective t- solutions to many of the
6: environmental problems we confront. Mm-hmm. Certainly, and and you mentioned fish, fisheries, which is a great example because or or any resource where you go in like with fish, for example, you take a premature fish, like a young fish, that fish can't grow up to. Uh, breed and produce more fish, so you deplete the resources much faster than is intended, and, uh, and that harms other fishers who want to uh, do the same. No,
5: that's right. Mm-hmm.
6: Um, as a final question, uh, give us a synopsis of your book, Conscience of an Anarchist, as well as some of the classes you teach at La Sierra University.
2: Sure. So, Conscience of an Anarchist is an attempt, on my part, to contribute to uh, a literature uh, of conscience books in American politics, uh, that uh, a number of listeners would be aware of. The best known, certainly, is probably Barry Goldwater's *The Conscience of a Conservative*. Uh, uh, then you've also got, uh, you know, *The Conscience of a Liberal* by Paul Krugman. Uh, there's *The Conscience of a Libertarian* by Wayne Allen Root yeah. and uh, yeah, uh, unfortunate title. But uh, anyway, <laughs> and then uh, uh, there's also well, *The Conscience of a Conservative Democrat* by the odious Zell Miller, former governor of Georgia. So there are a lot of uh, a lot of different, uh, different conscience books, uh, in play. What I wanted to do was to write a short book. All those other books are, are big apart from Goldwater's. I wanted to write one that was about the same length as Goldwater's that tried to offer in very brief, uh, form an account of why anarchy might be attractive, uh, to somebody. And so I looked at, um, basically three or four key points, uh, number one, uh, the state is illegitimate. The state claims authority uh, characteristically based on the consent of the governed, but it doesn't and almost certainly couldn't have that, uh, that consent. Number two, um, the state isn't necessary. Social order can be maintained in its absence, and indeed the state's attempt to maintain uh, a certain kind of social order to, to manage markets uh, is doomed to failure. Uh, number three, Uh, the state is dangerous. So I offer three chapters in which I spell out ways in which it's dangerous uh, as a servant of big business, as a promoter of war, and as a restrictor of personal liberties. And then finally, I turn to a kind of at least gesture in the direction of um, why we ought to be so excited by the alternative, namely that there's really the opportunity for us to engage in a kind of creative revisioning of our lives and ongoing experimentation, that's much easier if we're all free to experiment and we're not limited by top-down control. Uh, It's about 120 pages. It certainly doesn't address every single issue that you might be interested in, but I see it as an attempt to spell out for people who uh, might be troubled by current political realities, but who think the uh, uh, the state is the way to solve those uh, those problems uh, to, to show those people why an alternative might be available. I get at this in a lot more detail and probably a more turgid prose style in my most recent book, which is called Anarchy and Legal Order, uh, which came out from Cambridge University Press in November and that's an attempt to, to make the same case in a more kind of uh, um, detailed uh, and scholarly way, uh, but uh, Conscience is by far the, the more accessible of the two and its book I, I think I highly of. Uh, I think it's it's a book that you know, continues to be worth, uh, worth reading. Um, classes that I teach at La Sierra, uh, I teach a, a variety of classes. Um, for instance, I teach a course for the university's honors program called Changing Communities uh, in which a uh, Marxist friend and I present our alternative visions. Of uh, uh, social order and social change. So I talk about anarchism and he talks about Marxism. Uh, I sometimes teach political philosophy, Uh, don't do that very often, but uh, kind of a couple of times in the last few years, uh, just introducing people to key issues and and themes in political theory. Um, I sometimes teach a graduate business ethics course. Uh, in which I certainly try to expose students to the institutional factors, not just uh, kind of issues of personal moral choice, but the institutional factors that have to do with state corporate partnership that really serve to distort the, uh, the economic environment. Um, I teach a graduate course called Issues in Employee and Labor Relations, in which we uh, look at how business organizations are structured and uh, at the end of the course at how. Uh, Power, in particular, uh, plays into shaping the, uh, the governance of, uh, of businesses. Um, but, you know, I teach in variety courses. Those are, those are some of them. I've... Uh Created a course called Enterprise Organization and Anarchy that's designed to look at uh, a range of economic and business issues related to, uh, to state power, uh, which I've delivered uh, in a kind of directed study form, but not uh, not really piloted properly yet with uh, with a regular classroom. But anyway, I, I teach a lot of different courses, and uh, you know, I have a, a great dean who gives me lots of opportunities to explore. And cool, and
6: and, and that. Uh, I want to close with a, a quote from Benito Mussolini. He said, um, don't call me a fascist. You could call me a corporatist because corporatism is the perfect merger of corporations and the state. I've been speaking with Gary Chartier. He is professor of uh, law and business that ethics at La Sierra University and is the author of many books, including Markets, Not Capitalism and The Conscience of an Anarchist. Gary, thank you very much again for joining the program. Thank you, and if you missed any part of the episode, podcast is on iTunes. Search for Free Thought and look for Free Thought AAC. My guest in the first hour was Pasha Roberts, director of the Silver Circle movie, a movie about the Federal Reserve, a fictional one, not a documentary. Um, and my last guest was Professor Gary Chartier, author of Conscience of an Anarchist and Markets, Not Capitalism. And speaking of, of ways that uh, uh, corporations externalize their costs thanks to legal protection by the state because I think it all starts with the state if you're able to have a legal monopoly on the use of violence that you can point guns at people and tell them what to do um, then that that is where wars start that is where corporatism starts and exploitation uh, because you can't get people to do those things voluntarily you can't get people to die there would be no industry based on killing if there wasn't a state to (laughs) <laughs> do that because they have the legal monopoly on, on the use of force. So they're going to use it and they need uh, guns to do that. So they're going to have an industry to supply them with guns and it just goes round and round. And, but going back to how that affects pollution, uh, you know, corporations produce fluoride as a byproduct, that being aluminum, fertilizer and phosphate production. And my guess in the top of the next hour is the general manager of the Liebenhain Water District. And going back to how government uh you know is in bed with polluters um you know fluoridation is pollution uh, it's toxic chemicals that they can't dump because they'll get fined although the, you know the EPA is pretty corporatist so they're going to you know maybe look the other way but either way they could instead of dumping it they can make money off of it put it into toothpaste put it into everything i mean it's not naturally f- occurring fluoride, which is, for the most part, harmless in small quantities. This is a, a, a var- variance of fluoride, which arise from, it's basically industrial waste. So we'll get to the dangers of fluoride in the next hour, but I want to play two songs for my last guest, who is the author of Conscious of an Anarchist. This is I Believe in Anarchy by the Exploited, and then after that, I Anarchy in the UK by Green Jelly, KKSM, and, I'm
0: LRN.fm. I'm and LRN.FM.
6: Anarchy in the in bedrock <laughs> by Green Jelly. Before that I believe in anarchy by the exploited. Um, before my next guests need to get to the news. And this top of the hour news is brought to you by Peace News Now, hosted by Derek J, which is on LRN.fm and the next news network.
9: This is your Peace News for Tuesday, June 11, 2013. Silver is trading at $22 per ounce. Bitcoin is trading at $106 per Bitcoin. Glenn Greenwald, the journalist for The Guardian newspaper that broke the NSA whistleblower story, was on the talk show Morning Joe yesterday. In one notable excerpt from the interview, Micah Brzezinski, who is none other than the daughter of Zbigniew Brzezinski, asks Glenn, Quickly, I just want an answer yes or no, isn't it the case that reviewing of emails or any wiretapping cannot take place without an additional warrant from a judge and a review? I mean, it's not like they're haphazardly probing into all of our personal emails. Can we put this into context so we can understand what's going on? Greenwald responded, quote, yeah, I'll put it into context for you. The White House talking points that you're using are completely misleading and false. Watch the full interview through the link in the show notes. In a related story, news outlet WND reports that it had received an unclassified memo from the U.S. Air Force instructed, the military not to look at stories related to the data mining scandal the last line of the executive summary states quote users are not to use Air Force snippernet systems to access the Verizon phone records collection and other related news stories because the action could constitute a classified message incident in other words don't use the Air Force Internet to learn about these government scandals or you will face penalties Cindy McGee the mother of an airman who received the memo said quote the fact that our government is attempting to to censor our service members from the truth of what's happening here at home is truly frightening and disheartening. I am outraged that our government is attempting to censor the information from our military that every citizen in this country is potentially being targeted by our government in a massive overreach of their constitutional powers by unconstitutional surveillance of all Americans and storage of that data. More peace news after this important message. Are you still putting your identity at risk with credit cards? There's a better way. Use the first truly private money. Bitcoin is the world's largest alternative currency. Pay for your favorite online products instantly without revealing secure data. Buy items in retail stores using your phone just as quickly as a credit card purchase. Learn more about this empowering new currency at WeUseCoins.com. That's WeUseCoins.com. Politicians are making themselves obsolete. Top Egyptian politicians were left red-faced after they were caught on live TV, plots to sabotage a dam in neighboring Ethiopia during talks with President Mohamed Mercy, leaving viewers stunned. The gaffe happened as an official failed to inform them that they were live on air. El-Sharkawi later apologized for the gaffe, but by then the damage had already been done. This is another example of how technology is empowering you, the individual, to witness an unprecedented level of incompetence and criminality in government. Once upon a time, rulers could pull the wool over people's eyes and keep them from seeing the truth those days are gone and a new dawn of transparency is now upon us in other news almost 7 million people are under correctional supervision in the United States more than 2 million of them are in jail or in prison if you want to know what those numbers mean for the American family consider this the makers of Sesame Street decided to design and release an educational kit titled little children big challenges incarceration in it the characters of Sesame Street explain what incarceration is and offer tips on how parents and caregivers can help a child cope with having an incarcerated parent. They recommend carrying a comfort item, such as a photo, to help the child feel secure, being patient and honest in helping the child understand the reason for the incarceration, and communicating with the incarcerated parent on a regular basis. It's a tragic reality that this is where we are as a society, but it can change, and it starts with raising children to never learn the language of violence. Some Liberty activists are standing up to the police state and in the process are changing the game cop blockers Chris Cantwell and Tim Morgan of the People's Socialist Republic of New York recently shut down a police checkpoint with just a whiteboard and a dry erase marker they used their homemade sign to warn motorists about a police checkpoint where Americans Fourth Amendment rights were being violated after about an hour the police gave up their efforts the activists report that about a hundred motorists were saved from tickets or worse this is Easy activism that involves little risk but has a huge benefit to others. Still, as with any interaction with police, don't forget to bring a video camera to be your impartial witness. Links are in the show notes. This has been Peace News, your daily update on the peaceful evolution. Get more peace news on the Next News Network. And for daily videos, subscribe at youtube.com slash peacenewsnow. For peacenewsnow.com, I'm Derek J, reminding you that peace is the way.
6: Well, the weather outside in San Marcos, this wonderful Monday night, June 24th at 8 p.m. is 66 degrees. There is a slowdown at the 78 westbound of Las Poces Road, at f- which is 43 miles per hour slowdown. That has been your KKS News, KKSM News. And we'll be right back with my guest, the general manager of the hind Water District, going to talk about the environment and fluoride after this commercial break. Be right back.
4: Since time began, tyrants have taken aim at personal liberties. Now there's a movie that aims back.
10: The government has no more right to tell us what to put in our bodies than they have to take our guns or tell us what books we can read. I
9: wonder how prohibitionists would feel if they saw medical marijuana vastly improve the life of someone dear to them.
4: Today, many cops who enforce pot laws do so only because it provides
1: them with cushy jobs, good benefits, and a chance to push people around. I was an undercover narcotics officer. The drug war is nothing but a farce. Six drug police were eaten by bears while raiding a marijuana farm. On your knees, What's you good? dirty hippie! On your knees! What's
0: the problem, officer?
1: The Second Amendment says you gotta keep you and your gat intact.
4: Guns and Weed, The Road to Freedom. A film by Michael
1: W. Dean and Nima
4: Vidati. Available from GunsAndWeed.com
1: You're listening to KKSM AM 1320 Oceanside. AlomarCollegeRadio.com Welcome back to
6: Freethought Radio, FreethoughtMedia.org. Um, so, you know, I'm big on this whole, you know, stopping fluoride thing. Um, Europe doesn't do it um it, many EPA scientists have come out and saying that's the biggest hoax ever and going back to my guest in the last hour talking about corporatism and how they use the state uh, to you know externalize costs such as pollution and turning a, a an industrial waste product like fluoride variants not naturally existing fluoride which is okay in small quantities but sodium fluoride and hydrofluoric silicic acid they're going into our water supply then locally here in San Diego. I mean, there's a California law mandating uh, mandating water fluoridation, but you know, segregation was a law. We got to stop. We got to start disobeying bad laws and use our noggin instead of being, you know, sheeple and doing whatever the state tells us to do. And this is going to very severely affect the ecosystem. You know, the rain, it already is affecting the rain cycle. Fluoride is being just being dispersed into the atmosphere for no reason. And one of the like last districts to not fluoridate their water is going to start fluoridation next monday and that's the uh municipal water district and so i was able to sit down with the general manager of the water district and ask uh, about local government how it works and also the environmental costs of fluoride so please take a listen. Joining me now is Kimberly Thorner. She is the general manager of the Hine Municipal Water District in Encinitas, California. Kimberly, welcome to the program.
10: Thank you. Nice to be here, Alex.
6: Um, So what area of Encinitas does the Hine Municipal Water District cover, and when was it established? Was it uh, chartered by the city of Encinitas?
10: No, actually Olivenhain existed a long time before the city of Encinitas. We actually serve about 43% of Encinitas. Mm-hmm. We serve um, the eastern more, most portion, Liebenhain, um what someone would, would consider the new Encinitas portion. But a lot of people think that because we have the name Olivenhain Water District, mm-hmm. that we actually only serve Encinitas. And we actually serve about 48 square miles in North San Diego County. We serve portions of South Carlsbad, a little bit of San Marcos escondido we actually go all the way down um, to city of san diego in the rancho bernardo forest ranch area and we touch the ocean down at cardiff restaurant row and then all the way down in solana beach and so we're a lot bigger than um, the elevenhine area it was just that the landowners who formed us in 1959 for water supply um, a lot of them came from the elevenhine area they actually the wiegans some of the original settlers here um, and Levenhain means olive grove in German, and hence the olive trees that still exist on our headquarters site. Cool.
6: Um, wh- what is the mission of the governing board?
10: Well, the mission of the governing board has actually evolved over time. Um, the main mission is to provide a safe, reliable water supply for our 86,000 customers. Um, that was back when we formed in 1959, and it continues to be our mission. We've subsequently added on a wastewater plant, and so we're also safe, reliable um, wastewater services. We upgraded the wastewater plant to recycled water, so now we also have cost-effective recycled water. We've also added as a government entity um, parks powers because we built the Alevenhain Dam and Water Treatment Plant in the center of an eight hundred eight acre open space preserve, so the LAFCO, Local Agency Formation Commission, granted us park powers to operate the park, And then we also added some hydroelectric generation facilities. So we also actually have hydroelectric generation um, power. So we actually have five different missions in one government agency.
6: Cool. Um, What does preservation of the environment mean to you and to the district?
10: I think it's an underlying um, obligation. Um, We do have to preserve the environment. That's water quality and watershed protection go hand in hand, and we have to preserve water quality. I think it means even more because we operate this preserve, this reserve, and running through the heart of the reserve is the Escondido Creek. And originally, it was just looking at it as a park and preserving the open space. But then we started thinking about what about the groundwater underneath there? What happens up in the creek affects the groundwater supply, and, and everything is cyclical. And so, um, conservation, um, and we say conservation not only in in conservation of water, as in save water, but conservation of our environmental resources is mm-hmm. both of those are high priorities for our district. Mm-hmm.
6: Has the district ever had to upgrade equipment or eliminate chemical additives to meet environmental standards or just on on the own accord of, of coming to new realizations about how certain things affect the environment?
10: Yeah, it, I mean, we're constantly upgrading equipment, so you have that capital side where you're, you're constantly replacing. but. Um, The EPA just passed a rule um, last year, and it was called the Long-Term Treatment Rule 2, and they upgraded the standards for treatment. And so we did have to do like a renovation of our water treatment plant. We are constantly – as we get smarter in science as as a world, as a nation, we're developing these capabilities to detect more than we ever detected before. And as we detect more – we then change our rules. So, where before maybe you could only detect three parts per million, now the technology exists for 0.3 parts oh. per million. And so now that we're aware of it, these regulations start getting tighter and tighter. And what our goal is as, as a water industry as a whole is to keep the technology up with the research capabilities. So if you can detect down to 0.3 parts, you better come up with some technology capable of removal. And so it's an ongoing um, development. And that's part of being in the water industry is, is to keep up with the technology as we learn it. Definitely.
6: What are the budgeting goals of the governing board
10: well always a balanced budget actually um, this week we're presenting a balanced budget to the board um, our you know it's cost effective um, but it also has to be realistic and our board has said we want our, our brand that our board gave us is pure excellence and we want pure excellence for our customers And having pure excellence definitely costs something, Mm -hmm. Um, but our board's goal is to minimize those costs. And so we've gotten very creative um, where historically when we had um, 42,000 residents, we had five meter readers to go out and read the meters by hand. When we invested in this new technology that allows us to read it remotely with... Um, a radio where we can read all the meters in four hours where it used to take us two weeks so we've moved those people out of that department and so our board is heavily invested in doing that innovative cutting edge that will save um, the ratepayers money our problem is on any given month anywhere between 47 to 58 percent of our water bill is what we pay to import water. Mm -hmm. Water in, there's, this is a semi-arid desert in San Diego County, and we import. Um, 63 percent of our supplies from the California Bay Delta up in Sacramento and 37 percent from the Colorado River and the cost of pumping that water up over the Tehachapis of bringing it down here to pay for all the facilities to convey it down or from Colorado the cost of maintaining that infrastructure we pay to another entity and that makes up anywhere between 50 and 60 percent of the bill those costs are the hard part to deal with Mm -hmm. because you go to your end user and you tell them, "Hey, our rates—we we got a 10% rate increase this year." They don't really care why you had the 10% rate increase. They just know their water yeah. bill's going up.
6: Mm-hmm. Um, where does the majority of the revenue come from—from from, uh, bills paid or from taxes?
10: Oh a majority for OMWD is um, definitely from the customer the rate the rates that we charge um, we're taking a look at um, our budget this year and it's a fifty four million dollar operating budget for all our services. Um, OMWD gets three thousand. I'm sorry, three million. Um, of that, only three million of the 54 million is on property taxes. So we get very little um, property tax revenue. And in fact, a few years ago, when the state was in trouble and you heard the headlines that they were raiding local governments, we were one of the ones that was raided. Everybody was raided. No one was immune. And so we try um, not to be um, reliant on that and to build our rate structure such that we can cover the operating costs.
6: For those just joining, I'm speaking with Kimberly Thorner. She is the general manager of the Lievenhain Municipal Water District. The district has announced it will begin to fully fluoridate the water supply on July 1st, whereas now the uh, imported water has some amounts of additive uh, fluoride. There are some safety concerns with fluoride, with those like Robert Carton, PhD, former EPA scientist, uh, being against fluoride. Um, It has been shown to have uh, links to cancer, decay of enamel, lower IQ, and sterilization. Do you think, uh, why is a district um, choosing to fluoridate the water in a single provider system, and uh, should people have choice in that matter?
10: Um, People uh, should have choice in in every manner. This was something that was actually um, passed by the state of California, and they developed funding through First Five for this and we actually are one of the last agencies in the county that don't fluoridate actually all of the water coming in from metropolitan that i referred to earlier is actually fluoridated uh the, the wholesaler um fluoridates. there were only a couple agencies in the county that had not um fluoridated. first five made the funding available for omwd to add the fluoride at the facilities this did did go to our board and they opted um to um actually vote for it we had no less than seven uh, board meetings including um, opportunities for the public to comment Mm -hmm. surprisingly the there was overwhelming support our boardroom was actually packed with dentists and and individuals who actually expressed their um, support for the fluoride on the record Mm -hmm. so um, that is what being a public agency is is allowing that transparency and allowing that comment and those seven times um, we had maybe two letters in opposition. Um, the rest was um, overwhelming support. And so the board did Im- mm-hmm. um, vote to implement it last year, and then July 1st it should be going on.
6: The safety concerns are, are more of you know putting it into the ecosystem that sodium fluoride arises from fertilizer and aluminum production, and uh, hydrofluorous silicic acid arrives from phosphate production, which involves uranium. And uh, the California Dental Association gave the district a $1 million gift to accommodate the cost of the fluoridation system to obey the law that uh, for the environment may be smarter to disobey. Do you think that a uh, $1 million is a reasonable price to pay for the ecosystem and health freedom?
10: I think that would be a personal opinion. Um, I believe that the board made, made its decision mm-hmm. Um, based on um, all the science and all the legal mandates that were presented to it. My personal opinion um, does not play into this. Um, It is, it's a a government mandate. Um, I think that, you know, one of the things that I see out there is there's science um, that's overwhelmingly presented on on both sides. I do wanna, on the hydro um, uh, acid, we are using something different. We've actually met with a, a few Excuse me. A few folks individually now, and I'd, I'd probably want my operations manager to talk to you about that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a judgment call. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the statements that you're making, and um, this was a this was a decision by a government body based on current laws. Mm-hmm.
6: The the city of Portland, Oregon, voted to uh, voted on a ballot measure to ban fluoride from their town's water supply. Uh, what do you think of that initiative?
10: I am not aware of it, and um, the, Oregon has different laws than, than California, and their government body um, does their, um, sets their governance on their constituents, different constituents. Mm-hmm.
6: For those just joining, I'm speaking with Kimberly Thorner, the general manager of the Lievenheim Municipal Water District. Uh, you, as the, as the general manager, according to the website, have a $208,000 salary. Um, that's more than a congressman, and Bell, California, had an incident with $800,000. Uh, do you think that uh, citywide should a uh, district salary reduction occur in these hard economic times and maybe some private investments sold off?
10: Oh, gosh. I would never um, recommend a public agency sell off public assets. Um, You look at what a private um, entity does, a private entity is about making a profit. Mm -hmm. A public agency is about protecting the public resources. And so I would, um, as a general manager, I would absolutely never recommend that a public agency sell itself out um, to private. Can a public agency partner with Mm -hmm. a private entity whereby the private entity might be able to provide services? We contract with private companies for engineering um, uh, services quite frequently and uh, to the benefit of both agencies um, regarding my salary uh, it's very competitive with my responsibilities and obligations um, and you mentioned Bell um, I absolutely have to go on the record what they did at Bell was despicable. Um, I think a lot of uh, government agencies agree um, I think. It was unfortunate and fortunate in two ways. What happened at Bell? it made everybody think all public agencies are you know this is the, yeah, this is the stereotype this is how um, government agencies operate, which is unfortunate because there are a lot of amazing people out there that are running government agencies that are doing the right thing and keeping the public interest at heart. But the new thing that came out of Bell and also of Vernon is this new transparency. Um, if you look on our website, what's front and center on the website? My, my salary is front and center on the website. What my board members are allowed to get for per diems, that's front and center. Um, we have had many newspaper articles, UT articles, comparing um, every receipt You know, we spent in the last two years, um, every dollar we spent on employees for holidays and they bought not just for one agency but for all agencies they did school districts they did city and water districts there's nothing wrong with that kind of transparency and accountability for for government agencies so um bell was horrible but i think it was a great lesson learned so long as it's used in a positive manner not to let something like that happen again yeah,
5: sure
6: um, what events is the district participating in as far as uh, awareness events or teaching people how to conserve water and any other plans for the future?
10: Um, we have uh, awareness events pretty much every weekend. We participate in fairs, Encinitas Environment Day, um, the Encinitas Garden Festival. We're down, actually going to host an event down in Forest Ranch. Um, that community is developing up. A lot of our customers are down there. Um, we host gardening workshops, both in English and in Spanish, because a lot of people um, have a Spanish-speaking landscapers, and so we're trying to teach them, hey, you can manage your landscape and use less water. Um, so the events, pretty much if you hit our website, we have something either we're hosting or co-hosting every single weekend. Cool.
6: And do you have any final thoughts? And and what can people know more about how about local government? Because often that people aren't very much aware of it. It's mostly like TV shows like Parks and Recreation. Um, What's what's the the reality? Because for for people to uh, on on the nonfiction side to know about um, public affairs and and how everything works.
10: Um, I honestly believe. Local government is the purest form of government. I mean, where else can you go and come into the boardroom downstairs and interact directly with the five directors that individuals voted for? And so, um, and that's cities, that's county, that's water districts, wastewater districts, fire protection districts, cemetery districts. They are locally tied, and they're the people living in the community there. you know, there's actually a list on the county website. You can type in your address um, on the county website, and it'll actually show what special districts you live in. And, and then you can click on the link and you go to the web page and be more involved. Um, the California Special Districts Association is um, a great resource to learn about local government and, and what it does for you. Um, any of the web pages um, um, because you know you talked about Encinitas, Encinitas is actually served by two different water districts and you ask people and they're like, well I'm the Encinitas water, I don't know which one (laughs) and so um, just I would recommend either the California Special Districts Association coming out and participating um, in the events um, or going to that web page and looking it up. Cool.
6: Well, I've been speaking with Kimberly Thorner, General Manager of the Elevenhine Municipal Water District. It is elevenhine.com. Thank you very much for joining the program.
10: Sure. Thank you. It was a great interview.
6: All right. And I wanted to touch up on a few points that I think may have been uh, misunderstood or misconstrued. Uh, First of all, I wanted to touch up on how dentists approve, you know, the authority on deciding that fluoride was good. Therefore, it should be forced on the public. Now, let's scrap aside all the arguments, fluoride good or bad, let's just talk about force here. You're able to go to the supermarket, pick up some toothpaste as your dentist directs you to, with fluoride in it. I personally choose not to. I use the non-fluoride toothpaste, like the Tom's or whatever, and the fact that there is a non-fluoride toothpaste indicates a market of people who are aware that fluoride is a hoax and uh, that, therefore, there's more than just me that is just going to be affected when they force it on people. The burden of choice is on the people. How, how many of you can afford a reverse osmosis filter? And it doesn't even really get... It, it, there's still some left over. It doesn't even do the job. What about its effects on the ecosystem? You're just pumping out these obvious industrial waste byproducts into the environment and it goes into the rain cycle i mean all these other water districts that are fluoridating i mean it's just insane uh and and how it affects the environment how it affects your body it 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 causes cancer it actually causes reduction of tooth enamel called dental fluorosis with over exposure to overexposure to fluoride if you go to your dentist and they you know say Uh, You know, we're just gonna put a bunch of fluoride foam on your mouth like they did to me when I was a kid, unsuspecting. You know, yeah, that that's you know causes overexposure to fluoride. And since water is a basic necessity, you have to drink the amount that you need to survive. So you can't dose fluoride. Whereas with toothpaste, you know, it says if you swallow something too much, you should cause you should call hazmat. Yet when it's in the water, you know, you drink so much of it. It's, it really is a very dangerous thing. Um, actually, there is going to be a movie playing at the Oceanside International Film Festival on August 23rd. It's called Fluoride Gate An American Tragedy. If you want to see it now, uh, you can visit vimeo.com slash five eight seven six four zero four eight. Again, that's vimeo.com slash um, five eight seven six four zero four eight. Talking about how you know governments industry and trade associations protect and promote a policy known to cause harm to our country and especially small children because it's toxic in infants how it causes calcification of the pineal gland in the brain thyroid problems affects bone development so if you have an infant and they're drinking fluoride they're going to be screwed up for their entire life and i can only imagine you know i how you know how i would have grown up different uh, if it wasn't for the overexposure to fluoride, Europe doesn't do it. And the CDC has even shown that there is no discernible difference in tooth decay. And that's, you know, it, it is trade associations, as the Oliven Hind Water District got a $1 million gift, I would say bribe, from the California Dental Association to put poison in our water and the atmosphere and the ecosystem. You know, they're talking about preserving the groundwater. In the Elfin forest reservoir what's fluoride going to do to the groundwater and fluoride what what if you know we we decide that you know we we have a monetary collapse we need to start growing our own food if all the ground is got fluoride deposits in it because of the groundwater and everything like that it would render food somewhat on the toxic side i mean no thought as to the consequences and going back to you know externalities and pollution and how you know, the courts back in the day decided that industrial growth was good. Therefore, we shouldn't apply standard property rights law to protect people from polluters. You know, removing liability cap laws so that if anybody damages your property, you get to sue them for the full amount. And they have to pay, like with BP, the liability cap laws only covered, you know, made them pay up to a few hundred million dollars when the damages were hundred billions dollars worth. You know, this is this is going back to corporatism and how you know, thanks to the government's monopoly on violence, I mean, again, this is a single provider service. It's not like you have any other options here. Um, And also the point, uh, I didn't say we should privatize the water district. I was referring to CAFR, which is the off-budget of either your city government or city services like your water district. So what they do is they raise your property taxes so that they can invest in dubious Wall Street and treasuries. And, you know, as a austrian you know school of economics guy i don't think that investments into treasuries or stocks or bonds or anything any of the federal Reserve's surly uh bubbles industry bubbles or stock bubbles or whatever you know they're investing into some shoddy investments on your dime that's what i was saying to sell off but uh, unfortunately i don't think that's going to happen your taxes are going to stay high your water bill is going to stay high and i i don't think that uh reducing the salary of people in government would attract better people I'm not gonna make that argument uh, you know some people like to say we should reduce Congress people's salary so that maybe better people will get no I just think it'd be better for the taxpayers if you know the head of your water district didn't make more than the governor and a congressperson you know where's the where's the bell indictment um, but again this all it all comes down to fluoride it starts next week July 1st if you want to take a stand to pr- Protect your environment, your ecosystem, even if you're not in the district. It affects your ecosystem. Their phone number is 760-753-6466. Because, you know, they said only a bunch of dentists showed up. Obviously, Trade Association looking to sell the petal of fluoride. You know, show that there's some opposition here. Of course there's a market. Otherwise, they wouldn't make non-fluoridated toothpaste. It's, so if you want to call the Levenheim Water District, tell them to stop water fluoridation before it begins next Monday. It's 760-753-6466. Again, that's 760-753-6466. If you also want to, you know, take a chance to display, you know, put public pressure so maybe that... Uh, If fluoridation stops here, maybe it'll stop across the state, you know, disobeying of a bad law, which is the fluoridation law. Uh, You know, it serves nothing but to pollute the environment, and if this water district is participating in Encinitas Environment Day when clearly poisoning of the water supply, the groundwater, uh, our ecosystem, our biosphere, is what they're doing, it's such a sham, isn't it? Um, But there is going to be a demonstration outside the Elevenhine Water District, peaceful demonstration outside the Water District offices on 1966 Elevenhine Road in Encinitas. So the, the demonstration is this Thursday at 1 p.m. So if you want to peacefully, you know, display ideas, because I think ideas is what's going to win, not uh, not force. It's all about peace and just really speaking out, getting involved, because we're, bi- we're sitting on the couch while they poison our environment. Uh, it's this Thursday at 1 p.m. at the Elevenheim Municipal Water District. You know, keep we're keeping a distance. We don't want to protest against the people that actually work there. It's more the management and the trade associations and the political corruption that is allowing for this pollution of our environment with toxic fluoride industrial waste byproducts that are being sold for profit of these polluting corporations. Uh, thanks to the state's monopoly, and I'm not talking even about privatizing the water district because you know Nestle wants to go around and privatize all these water districts. But it's going to be the same thing, whether it's a government monopoly or a corporate monopoly. Monopolies are monopolies, and they do this. Nestle wants to fluoridate all the water. I do not think that the Nestle company is a model free market company. Um, you know, there there are certainly other uh, other ways to increase voluntary ways to escape the monopoly through voluntary means like removing restrictions on collecting rain collecting and purifying rainwater or or other things. But you know, when you have a government monopoly or a corporate monopoly, there is not good stewardship of our environmental resources like the Alpham Forest. They're gonna put fluoride chemicals in it. So you could call the Alevinhein Water District at seven six zero seven five three six four six six to show that hey I don't approve of this, and I don't care what these dentists say. They don't have a right to force, no matter if fluoride is good or bad, they don't have a right to force things on anybody. People should have choice. And we already got plenty of this stuff in toothpaste, which I don't use because I know that fluoride is a hoax. And then there's also the demonstration that's happening this Thursday outside their offices on 166 Hine Road. Thursday at 1 p.m., protest fluoride at the Hine Municipal Water District. This brings me to... These uh, next two songs, which are uh, Water Crimes by the rap artist Trillion from his album, Everything is Under Control, and then after that, Water by Atheist.
9: The Independent and Financial Times. Here on KKSN and LRN.FM. Be right back. Water and
8: criminals are to be found on every continent. Water crimes. New evidence has emerged of alleged water crimes. Today on a world of possibilities, bringing tyrants to justice. Water crimes on trial. Certainly, the U.S. government is not the only one worried about
2: the effect of the world court for war crimes crimes against humanity or genocide join
8: us as we examine embryonic efforts to apply the rule of law to those who've committed the most heinous crimes against humanity yet have long to fight it with impunity
7: welcome, welcome to, to a world of fluoride Do you wanna poison me? with your chemical concoctions in my water Chemical concoctions in my water Why well, you wanna poison me? Why well, you wanna poison me? Wanna poison me? Water is life, not just drips down the same drain It's a basic human right to sip a fountain or drink rain Instead they dump chemical waste into the reservoir Every jar contaminated Fluoride taints my weather Just let pass. I can't, there's lead an arsenic on that measure bar And never far behind the line of fire is that repertoire It's
5: good for bones and teeth. They hum and sing but real facts beneath the surface Reveal some other
7: things Fluoride accumulates and studies have shown It causes major changes to the structure of bone Sensation of burning, prickling and pains Gastrointestinal disorders, feeling sickly and strange Tingling in the limbs and chronic fatigue Even that frog in the reeds because pawn on under siege Toxic design and lowered IQ Lost in three lines of a poet's haiku I know I'm like you, my body's sort of the same And there's also fluoride
5: added to my water mains Skeletal fluorosis, osteoarthritis They
7: misguided and deny, glossing over the entire list The cost of those who fight this, more stress and dismay I don't believe we receive blessings this way Criminals poison water like the China Sea It's a major hit on the planet and a minor key Poison me. With your chemical concoctions in my water Why you wanna poison me? Why you wanna poison me? It's gonna make my life shorter Water crime slowly rises above the water lines Floating a clear view for all to surely find We'll go on this lie and classify the research This message should be loud and clear right am bottom t-shirts I'm in deep water, but I'm keen to make waves, break the glaze from the TV screen and wake slaves, ingested fluoride as a tooth
5: protectant, it's useless and defective. and proven and effective, but it works great in
7: suppressing the thyroid function, renders it void, so I try and avoid consumption, for babies fluoride, is a fatal guest, causing birth defects, infant and perinatal death, we bought lies for years, oh such as foresight, lead a horse to water, but it won't touch the fluoride, clutching it. Draws tight. Now there's a cause and war to fight population sedation If only water was watertight We don't deserve this prison So I'm the first to listen To disturbed workers whistling out words of wisdom Disguise the service It's the worst assistant to my nervous system It makes the system nervous Cause now we curse and diss them If this is an experiment Then what is their agenda? Why are they satisfied with death And won't stop at mere surrender? Shows a lack of true ethics And is actually eugenics And many politicians are too happy to defend this For me it wouldn't this water's thicker than blood We shouldn't quit till we abort the stick in the mud Take this baton in your fist before I'm shortened of breath And my behaviour patterns twist for this water is death Water crimes slowly rise above
8: the water lines Floating in clear view for all to surely find Where governments lie and classify the research. This message should be loud and clear and right rattle bottom t-shirts Do you wanna
5: poison me With your chemical concoctions in my water
7: Kick it out, hit it off, shut it down Sing it out, move them on, kick
3: it out
6: Water by atheist. Before that, water crimes by trillion. On the subject of water fluoridation, and how I—I'm not a science experiment. I'm sorry, and neither are our little infants. And you know, I think pollution—you know—people's bodies, people's lives, people's choices, people's futures are not. You know, supposed to be the whims of a majority. Just because a majority says something's right, majority of people in the South thought segregation was right. You know, segregation was a law. So was fluoridation. You know, people were experiments to social order. Now people are experiments for you know putting chemicals in their body. You know, at both cases, rights are violated and people's lives are ruined for for considerable amounts of time. Uh, and I really hope that that this be the one district that takes a stand and says no way. It's not that hard, honestly. It isn't. You know, Portland voted to, you know, get fluoride out of the water, and cities because they're going bankrupt are getting rid of fluoridated fluoridation systems, and they couldn't even afford the fluoridation system. They had to get the California Dental Association to give them a nice little gift of a million dollars imagine (laughs) that's just palm greasing 101 but time for the rest of the headlines so i talked about edward snowden and uh, i think that is it is great that he is working towards asylum uh really the the government is the one that's uh should be charged with espionage on the american people without warrant you know, without any sort of legality whatsoever, I don't even really consider the Patriot Act legal anyways. I mean, screw the Patriot Act. I think the Fourth Amendment is more supreme than that. Um, so I hope that uh, the future for Edward Snowden is at least safe and free from government tyranny. Actually, there is a quote from Julian Assange that I would like to read. Um, he says... The mark of service to humanity is no longer the Nobel Peace Prize, but an espionage indictment from the U.S. Couldn't agree more. Also talking about the escalation of the Syria, Syrian war, prior to a peace conference, you know, aren't we supposed to wait to take any action before this peace conference is decided? But no, the U.S. is just totally reckless. And actually... Um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a headline um, from Spread Liberty News. Let me p- try to pull it up. Uh, it's from an Israeli official saying that Syria regime change needed to harm Iran. So we obviously know what the goal of the Syrian war is. It's a stepping stone for a war with Iran, and it's really a proxy war for Israel and their foreign policy goals, and, and which is obviously preemptive aggressive war on people that they think are threats. Um, but that just generates blowback for their own people to suffer under and you know creates you know just endless war crimes overseas you know killing innocent people because we believe that we need to take your land and your country uh just like the the u.s is doing that for the same reason it's like who's using who but at, at the end of the day really it's this is the neocon roadmap to war. Syria is the last stepping stone to war with Iran. If we really want to prevent war, Syria has got to be where we take a stand on it and try do what we can to prevent it. Otherwise, we're going to be seriously screwed. I don't know what what you know what other you know thing can come out of it other than just a big conflict arising. Like almost, I don't want to sound pessimistic here, but. You know, World War III. I mean, it isn't too f- much of a possibility. I like to be optimistic and think that we're going to tough this all out. But, you know, it could have some ugliness in the meantime. And we really need to take a stand and stop th- this war because Assad had nothing to do with 9-11. And, you know, the terror- the chemical weapons claim is just as good as-, as the Iraq WMDs claim. It's all a bunch of hocus pocus. It's just an excuse to increase the United States' hegemony in the region and spend more money on the military. Also, journalist Michael Hastings died in a car crash. Sent a worried email hours before his death, uh, admitting that he was being followed by the FBI. His friends were getting interrogated. WikiLeaks tweeted that revelation about the FBI investigation. So it was a little weird. But the FBI said that there were no evidence of any foul play. But I want to, I want to keep my eyes peeled for any. A uh, little, little bits of information there. Because he revealed that an Obama uh, administration or a campaigner or whatever said to Michael Hastings' face, F. Bradley Manning. They should put that as Hillary Clinton's 2016 slogan. See just how cool and hip the liberal, chic, democratic party is. They're not liberal. They're not chic. They're not have been cool. They're just as neocon as the Republicans. Uh, news that I didn't get to in state news. California government threatens the Bitcoin Foundation. The state's Department of Financial Institutions warned the Bitcoin Foundation in a May 30th letter that it is a violation of state and federal law to be involved in money transmission without registering with the U.S. Treasury or California's Commissioner on Financial Institutions, even though the nonprofit Bitcoin Foundation isn't a Bitcoin exchange. The letter, signed by Senior Counsel Paul T. Creighton, does not accuse the Bitcoin Foundation of violating laws, but says that the regulator thinks it may be engaged in a money transmission business without a license. Jeez, you know, the Federal Reserve tentacles, you know, maintaining their monopoly status on currency, trying to crack down on Bitcoin. And, you know, if I were to uh, serve as uh, uh, mayor of, of a particular town in, in the future... Uh, and platform would be to nullify legal tender laws and money exchange laws, I would tell the DFI and the California Commission on, on Financialist Institutions and the U.S. Treasury and the Federal Reserve to take a hike. That's what all mayors should do. That's what all state governors should do. In national news, FBI Director admits domestic drone use. Director Robert Mueller admitted to the U.S. Senate that the FBI engages in sem- seldomly used drone surveillance. If warrants were used to spy on people, that's not known. The FBI director says that divulging such information would be a, of advantage to the U.S. enemies. Yeah, what a bunch of malarkey! I, <laughs> they make the same argument for Edward Snowden that he's he's making it better for the enemies to avoid our entrapment. No, <laughs> everybody, it's and so and so what? Trading secu- liberty for security gets you neither. And, you know they have the underwear bomber. They put in the the, the scanners. They they have all types of things. It's all re- retroactive. They don't stop anything. The terrorists are one. If there are any, actually, are one step ahead of the game. You know I think this whole thing's overblown just to get people to submit. You know there are actual terrorists. I think they're actually sneaking away because the government's too busy collecting data on innocent people rather than focusing on people that might actually be guilty of. Crimes, So, you know, talk about diversion of resources. You know, they're making it actually harder to catch terrorists because they're just spying on you and I rather than people that, you know, hey, you could actually get a warrant for this guy and do it legally. In other news, uh, Bilderberg documents uncovered at Georgetown University. So U.S. Ambassador George McGee had left his personal effects to Georgetown University after his death. He was the author of a book called Blueprint for a New World Order. The publicly available documents have many pertaining to the elusive Bilderberg group. These documents were from the actual first founding Bilderberg meeting in 1954 at the Hotel de Bilderberg in Holland. The group was founded by former Nazi party member Prince Bernhard of the Netherlands. Among some of the dignitaries invited included Ambassador McGee, banker David Rockefeller certainly you know not a Zionist you got Nazis and those and both warmongers hanging out at the same time and you got the Heinz ketchup founder as one of the attendees now the subject matter for the first Bilderberg group meeting was how to battle communism and get nations like America to intervene in communist nations essentially encouraging the cold war and this was in the 50s with ambassadors like McGee and government-cozy bankers like Rockefeller, it may not end up as exact policy, but it can be suggested and strived for through their ties to think tanks or, you know, just how, you know, yellow journalism, you know, drum up some fake stories to go into a war. You know, that they, they may not get exactly what they want. You know, I'm saying that Bilderberg controls everything and there's nothing we can do. It's just like the way think tanks work. It's top-down decided policy mandates they go to the congress people say Ooh, i think this would be a good idea to do so it gets emulated somewhat which is why you know these guys could have uh, helped uh, shape some of the uh, route of the cold war um uh, of course the this this you know th- w- that was the path that the u.s followed the cold war the war in vietnam and war and people like henry kissinger would go on to be a be a big wig in the group and he's an obvious war criminal and, and david rockefeller would chair the group's leadership. Another, you know, mass murderer. Uh, of course, Bilderberg is the public meeting where, you know, all of the elites bring outsiders like CEOs. I mean, you know, so it's not just Bilderberg that they collude, you know, don't want to focus on, on it. It's, you know, the elites collude in all days of the calendar year, not just the weekend at Bilderberg. But it's an interesting thing to focus on because it is real and these guys are actually colluding about economic and foreign policy uh, and they're unelected. And that's the big problem, and they meet in secret. The NDAA of 2013 has been modified to make the U.S. government tethered to Israel. It reads, quote, It is the policy of the United States to take all necessary steps to ensure that Israel possesses and maintains an independent capability to remove existential threats to its security and defend vital national interests. That is so dangerous because, you know, everybody is an existential threat, and that means remove it. So regime change It's basically you know carte blanche says that the u.s should follow you know all the foreign policy aspirations of israel and it's very unfortunate because it's bad for the israeli people a lot of jews are opposed to zionism and resist enlisting in the idf because they know they're going to be forced to you know do some horrible things to palestinians and steal land and but unfortunately uh, they have the you know same kind of two-party dictatorship that we suffer from so actually there is more dissent in the israeli parliament than there is in the u.s government when it comes to his, uh, israel's agenda but but even with that dissent amongst their own parliament uh, no change can be made netanyahu's going to do what he wants congressman ron paul says syria is just like iraq says obama's syria policy is a lot like bush and iraq with false claims of wmds and chemical weapons i co- totally agree former senator chris dodd heads the mpaa movie censorship lobby group the group was heavily invested in lobbying the government to extradite kim.com and this is uh chris dodd is on kim.com's video the raid that you could check out on youtube the mpaa is an intimidation group who plays favorites in regards to film ratings in order to censor certain films That have great artistic integrity but also have no personal connection to mpaa execs obama introduces an international trade agreement at g8 much similar to the corporate protectionist trade treaty trans-pacific partnership which comes with internet regulations obama introduced the transatlantic partnership proving that Obama is just as corporatist and pro-Wall Street as the Republicans. This bill is anything but free trade. It creates a rigged game that benefits only established multinational corporations and banks and severely restricts the consumer and small business owners. Congresswoman Pelosi was booed after defending the NSA. U.S. Conference of Mayors voted on a resolution to allow states and local governments to decide marijuana policy, one of those signatories was San Diego's own Mayor Bob Filner. Many, many uh, praises to Mayor Bob Filner for doing such a thing. It takes certain, you know, it's, most people consider it political suicide, but that's unfortunate because some people consider politics a game when people's actual lives are on the line because of this failed war on drugs. Uh, and, and many other mayors did so throughout the country, so I applaud them for their cojones. And another marijuana news: New Jersey to vote on medical cannabis for children with terminal illnesses. Now, an eighth month, an eight eight month old child was cured of a brain tumor with nothing but cannabis oil. Visit phoenixtears.ca. Check out Rick Simpson; he's the guy that rediscovered cannabis oil. Ten year olds with ten seizures a day see their seizures cease when taking high CBD cannabis oil. So it is a Bold move for civil rights on the part of the New Jersey state legislature to offer protection for the right of the terminal, terminally ill, especially children, to be able to choose life saving medication rather than being subject to the harmful pharmaceutical alternatives. And in re- regards to the person with seizures I was talking about, the kid was a star of the premiere episode of the Discovery Channel show Weed Country, and he was the son of a Stanford professor. And the medical system left them out to dry. And any one of those seizures could have been fatal. And some of those, you know, procedures or medicines that they wanted to do to destroy their liver and other organs are very dangerous. Cannabis does not affect your organs in any negative way. It actually heals mutated cells. It is good for you. Rick Santorum, to lead religious movie <laughs> production company... To release family and faith-based films, that will be rated (laughs) G-willikers. Anything naughtier and you'll be going to H-E-double hockey sticks. (laughs) Physicians, ethics advocates are urging doctors to stop force-feeding Guantanamo Bay prisoners. For obvious reasons. And in Washington state, they want to limit cannabis plant's THC levels rather than plant quantity which is reasonable. Don't restrict the THC. Just, you know, set limits. I wouldn't set limits on plants, but if you have to, make it the plant, not the THC. Um, you know, a draconian measure that may not be easily enforceable without diminishing the quality of medicine for the patients. And the U.S. government actually has a patent on genetically modified cannabis and hemp. You know, so, you know, you could genetically modify it to have less THC, to have less of the cancer-curing properties, um, it's really insidious and let's say if in 2014 I was uh, mayor of a mayor of a certain town I would ban genetically engineered seeds on the basis of property right's not selling it in food or stores you know I don't want to be elitist or prevent people from eating cheaper food but at the very least kick out you know Monsanto in the farming realm uh, and it'd be a very easy way to do that uh... very uh, without growing government, and it'd be very simple. You just offer free permits to farm to anybody that can prove they have non-GMO seeds. And then you could build an entire market around that for independent testing firms, which are currently banned by the FDA uh, to test people's seeds at a fraction of the cost due to market competition and and a lot of people more than just a few players doing the service. In international news Syrian rebels execute fourteen year old boy for blasphemy. This is the same group that the U.S. and Israel want so bad to give more weapons, money, and power to. And Syrian rebels were the ones using the chemical nerve gas, so what is our goal there in Syria? Other than imperialism, we're going to create a lot of hardship for people when we give these dangerous people weapons, and there's factions within the Syrian rebellion, and they're going to start turning on each other. It's going to be a whole hodgepodge of a civil war that the U.S. caused. In Canada, wearing a mask at a protest could get you 10 years. This is meant to target anonymous, I think. This law has the same effect on dissent and challenging the government, as do laws against annoying the police, which is obviously meant to stop people who film the police to keep the police accountable. You know, you're filming them, they could say that you're annoying them. In other news, Twinkies returned July 15th, and the heavy metal band Gorguts to release the, their new album, Uh, first since their breakup in 2001, called Colored Sands, released on September 3rd. They released a track listing in album art. And that has been your news. So next week on my show, I have the host of Adam vs. the Man, Adam Kokesh. He's leading the final American Revolution, which is a nonviolent open carry march on capitals across the country to demonstrate that, yes, the U.S. government has instigated a war on the people, and if we just show up and open carry firearms, uh, not initiating force on anybody, have it, having it slung over your back in safety positions, uh, that, that'll that show, you know, that we, we're not going to have our guns taken away uh, because, you know, and for, even from the, you know, if you're a liberal, from the liberal side, the right to revolt, you know, uh, you know that uh, and police accountability. That when police don't have gun, when it's the people out of the gun control, not the police. There's some serious tyranny that goes on there, and and, and th- that's what I think this really needs to accomplish. That you know, people's rights really need to start being respected, and I think this would have a great impact on you know uh, on, on on at least trying to move the ball forward. There's a lot of different ways. There's political action which. It was, you know there's civil disobedience and then there's things like this. I think all of those working together will event, will get us changed in one way or whichever one does it first all yeah. for it as as long as it's nonviolent um, non-initiation until it's the point of martial law when they're sweeping us all up and putting us into camps thanks to the NDAA, you know. Uh, rounding up of citizens without charge or trial—not even citizens, non-citizens. There's nothing that mentions citizens in the Constitution, so you know, you know, the anti-immigrant argument goes out the window. All people, if they start rounding up Mexican citizen or Mexican uh, uh, residents of the United States without charge or trial and putting them into camps, they already do that with the detention centers. And the, no wonder Homeland Security swallowed up Border Patrol, so they they could have all these dissension centers to use on you and I. So. Uh, immigrants were used as guinea pigs for the police state experiment that's going to be used on you and I. So, this brings me to this next song, totally in relation to the fluoride in the water th- that was my guest for this hour. So, it's Corruption by Plasmatics. And uh, you can check out the podcast on iTunes. Look for Free Thought, it's Free Thought AAC. Um, and be sure to give the Levenheim Municipal Water District a call. Tell them that you're opposed to water fluoridation. Head down to their Location this Thursday at 1 p.m. for a peaceful demonstration. That we're going to respect the people that work there, not on their faces or anything. But again, it's about the management that do the palm greasing. So, this is Corruption by Plasmatics. Freethoughtmedia.org. Tune in next week. Adam Kokesh is my guest. My guys.
0: Baby. It's nothing easy, honey. It
4: only hurts time. It in the easy the It big time. I'm corrupt, corruption. 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 So oh, corruption.
0: It's just all good. I feel it's coming. It's the money, baby. It's easy honey. It only hurts time. It was
4: big time. i corrupt. corruption. 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 So oh, I feel incredible.
6: SM Oceanside.
0: And women are a complicated bunch. AM
6: 1320.
0: They're like grapes. That's all I got because I said bunch. Yeah. And then I
6: thought of grapes. Radio Revolution.